Summer driving is here, and so are the red-hot deals on the best tire brands at Dobbs. Money saver June deals on new sets of Goodyear, Cooper, Continental, Michelin, and Pirelli tires. Click on GoToDobbs.com to find your next set of tires today. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This is a Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN in St. Louis. It's 701. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler with Michelle Smallman. I'm Randy Character, and it's great to have you with us. Michelle, good to see you. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Randy. How are you? I'm doing well. Michelle is... Uh, you can find Michelle on the social media, on the gram, <laughs> at M. Smallman, and on the Twitter, at M. Smallman. I haven't been using social media that much lately, Randy. I That's, need to get back in the swing of it's things. It's not a bad thing. And by the way, people misspell your name a All lot. the time. You know, I understand why you would think it's M-A-N, but it's M-O-N, mm-hmm. like Jamaican Mon. Jamaican Mon. Yeah, small Mon. Yeah, there you go. But everybody thinks it's M-A-N. And yeah. I understand why, but that's right. Do people misspell your name? All the time. Yeah, they always add a C in there or one R or something. Or start it with a C because of Adam Carricker, remember? Oh, yeah. So, yeah. And when I was in school, like elementary and, and middle school, uh, Mr. Carraker, Mr. Carraker, uh, you know, they, the teachers had a great deal of difficulty with it. It's interesting that people would have difficulty pronouncing both of our names because people have trouble with mine, uh, too, when it's literally, say it how it's spelled. It's that simple. It's right. The, and, uh, it's uh, people simple. ask me, and I say, it's character without a T, just to do it that way, and you've got character. It's easy. One time, somebody called me with a sales call, and I like to play around with salespeople on the phone. Sorry, salespeople on the phone, but it's what <laughs> I do. And... Somebody said, is Mr. Carcracker in? And I said, this is Mr. Carcracker. And my whole family was there. So they still say to this day, hello, Mr. Carcracker. Carcracker. Yeah, I That's don't know how interesting. they got that one. Uh, you know, my most uh, commonly misused last name, people, a salesperson, mm-hmm. will call and say, can I speak to Miss Smallwood? <laughs> I'm like, there's no W there. What are you, <laughs> what are you looking at? Did you even read it? Yeah. So my favorite thing to do with uh, sales calls cold calls and it's it's not very nice but it's fun for me is to act like i am a police officer at a murder scene and <laughs> they're calling for me and i got killed and so you ask how did you know mr character have you seen mr character in the last 7 hours <laughs> so do you realize what has happened to mr Car- and you don't tell him it's a murder do you realize what has happened to mr character why would you be calling now are you trying to revisit something with Mr. Character? Does Mr. Character have any debts to you? <laughs> Things like that. It's great. Okay, so many follow-up questions. When you do that, do they play along? Do they get that it's a joke, or do people get really nervous? Oh, people get really nervous. It's fantastic because <laughs> they have no idea. And how do you not break character? Because I uh, character, oh. character, character. Because I would start laughing and be like, "It's me, guys." Oh, no. no, I I play it seriously all the way. Wow. And that's then impressive. You hope, you, the hope is that at some point they'll hang up on you. But what if they don't? What if they think, well, okay, you, it's my duty you, to talk you, to this police officer? If you have time, you waste their time. It's great. <laughs> but then how do you end up ending it? Uh, 
I say, uh, Mr. Carrick won't be able to call you back. <laughs> <laughs> remove him from all of your lists. <laughs> <laughs> the U.S. Census Bureau yeah. that's calling. Remove him from the list. Always fun stuff to do. If you have fun stuff like that, you can text us throughout the day. <laughs> 65780. That's our Air Comfort Service text line. And you can also send us a Rhino Shield mic drop at uh, with, with the 101 ESPN app. Just download that app to your phone. You can leave us a mic drop. And today we are going to have Hot Take Thursday. That's mm-hmm. actually coming up in our next segment here on 101 ESPN. Michelle and I will have our hot takes and you need to provide us your hot takes via the text line or the Rhino Shield mic Mic drop. Yeah. What is your hottest take about the Blues or the Cardinals as we get, as we inch closer to them resuming play? And I've got a bonus one for you too. Oh, you do. Once we get to seven, a bonus take. Wow, what That's a Thursday! Awesome. <laughs> the Cardinals will have another inter-squad scrimmage tonight at the ballpark. Adam Wainwright will pitch against KK. And Michelle, it's interesting. We talked yesterday about the offense. I'm interested to see on opening day against Pittsburgh, the 24th, how Mike Schilt will arrange his offense. And one of the things that he's been asked about, and I don't really know how you change it, is Colton Long was the Cardinals' best leadoff hitter during spring training. Matt Carpenter has been a great leadoff hitter, almost an historically great leadoff hitter Mm -hmm. for the Cardinals. Since 1960, he's one of the top 10 leadoff hitters in baseball statistically. Although he had a really bad year last year. So I'm intrigued to see how Mike Schultz treats this lineup. I am too. And I think he's got a unique puzzle to put together because you don't have the time to get people going. Which is why I think if I was Mike Schultz, I would be giving heavy consideration to putting Matt Carpenter in that leadoff position. Because a lot of your success offensively this season is going to be predicated on him having a bounce back year. And if he's comfortable in that leadoff spot, I know he's going to tell you, hey, you can put me wherever. I've also had success in the five hole. Uh, I'm a team player. Wherever you need me, I'm going to go. I understand that from him. But I want to put him in the position where he is most mentally comfortable and where he's going to get success early. Because if he gets success in the leadoff position, then maybe he has the confidence offensively to be mixed and matched somewhere else. You can move him down in the lineup. Or if he's having production there, keep him there. Why not? But I would just say, hey, I don't have time to waste this year. So I'm going to go with what I know Matt Carpenter is going to be able to be successful at. Marp has a career 864 OPS as a leadoff hitter, including a 382 on base. And he's got far and away more plate appearances as a leadoff hitter, 3,432 than anywhere else. When you look at his other spots, if it's not leadoff, it's down in the order. It has a 964 OPS in only 100 plate appearances as the number six hitter. And as 163 with 163 plate appearances as the number seven hitter, he's got a 923 OPS. Otherwise, uh, when you look at what he's done as a number two hitter, just a 722 on base plus slugging, including a 386 slug. A 350 on base is your number three hitter, a 378 slug for a 728 OPS. And as a cleanup hitter, a one, well, I'll give you the batting average too, because it's the same. 158 <laughs> batting average, 158 on base, 316 slug, and 474 as a cleanup hitter, although he only has 20 appearances there, so it's not a real good sample size. But I would suggest if he's not going to be your leadoff hitter that you have to hit him down in the lineup, because that's historically where he has thrived. His his success is going to be incredibly important. So what would you do? Which one is uh, least risk averse in your opinion? Because you have other guys that could hit leadoff, certainly. Because of what I think the Cardinals need to be, 
because I don't think they're going to be a power hitting team. I think you need somebody that can run at the top of the lineup and, and get on base. And Wong had a good year last year in terms of getting on base and led the team in stolen bases. And he's a guy that you can hit and run with and get into scoring position. I think you need that guy. Mark, well, a very good hitter during most of his career, I think has proven himself to not be a very fast runner. And I think sure. because of that, I would be more inclined to put him down in the lineup. So my, my question is going to be, I need a two and a three hitter. And the best guy for both of those spots is going to be uh, Paul Goldschmidt. But maybe what I do is cross my fingers and hope that Marp can be an effective number three hitter. I think on opening day, I'm going to go Wong, Goldschmidt, Marp, DeYoung as my my top four. Interesting. I I don't know. I'm just, I'm a little reluctant to put him in that position. Number three hitter? Yeah. I would is, rather, it's a scary thought. I would rather have Goldie there and have Goldie, Young, Goldie and DeYoung three, four. And with speed, I, I know you want Wong with the speed up at the top, but why not put Wong in the two hole then? He can give you a little bit of power, a little bit of speed if he's going to get on base. I just want Matt Carpenter to get it. I'm thinking if he's getting on base and we have mm-hmm. the yeah, lead. My, my show plan keeps falling. You okay there? There we go. Too many papers there? Yeah. Weighing it over. Um, but if he's if you had eyes on him in spring training and you said he's spraying mm-hmm. the ball over the, yeah, all over the field. Free. So if, if he's my leadoff guy and I know that he's just going to get off on base, that's all I need from him, right? Yeah, if if you're confident in the guys behind him hitting, I guess the other thing you could try, he he's not your prototypical number three hitter, but you, you could move Wong down to number three, or you could move, you could hit Goldschmidt third, DeYoung fourth. Ultimately, Dylan Carlson might wind up being your number two hitter anyway. Uh, Derek Gould tweeted yesterday that since he's been covering the Cardinals, Dylan Carlson is the most polished OPS hitter that he's seen wow. coming out of the Cardinal system. And he says he projects as a, a perfect number two hitter. So maybe by the third week of the season, that's your answer yeah. in the two hole. I certainly hope so. Yeah. You, know, it, you know, I'm on the on the let's get Dylan Carlson yeah. playing time ASAP train. Yeah. And, and I don't think it would be fair to your team to put uh, a guy like Tyler O'Neill up there at this point. Even... Lane Thomas, because you really don't know what they are. Maybe if you like what you're seeing from Dexter Fowler, you, mm-hmm. you put him up. Here's a guy that you signed to be your leadoff hitter, and he has shown the ability to get on base. Last year, he did a pretty good job. Maybe you go Wong Fowler if you're not, or, or I'm sorry, Carpenter Fowler, Goldschmidt DeYoung, and then hit Wonger down in the lineup as your ostensibly your second leadoff hitter at number nine. Where are you putting Tommy Edmond in this equation? That's a great question. Now, <clears throat> I, I wouldn't... He, he doesn't take many walks, so I don't want him leading off. But he's a guy that I could hit number two. Mm-hmm. Move. He gets his bat on the ball. He could move the runner. That would be another great possibility. Now, uh, is it worth it to have that guy moving runners for Carpenter, though, who doesn't run very particularly well? You've got to be able to get the ball in play and get base hits if you're going to hit number two, if Carpenter's going to be your leadoff hitter on base. So potentially Carpenter, Edmund. Carpenter, Edmund, Goldschmidt. Goldie, DeYoung. Yeah, I can handle that. I could handle that. Okay, well. Did we we just settle it? We all agree. Yeah, the staff got together and made a decision. (laughs) 
pretty easy. I mean, it's not that hard, guys. No. And we do want to note that Colton Pareko back on the ice for the Blues yesterday. Huge return for the Blues. We don't know why he was out, but obviously he he and Bo Meester, if you're going to pick a line or a defense pairing, aside from the goaltender, if you were going to pick skaters that were a line or a defense pairing for the Blues, the reason the Blues won the Stanley Cup is because of Pareko and Bo Meester last year. He is a huge, huge component of this team. And yeah. so to see him back out on the ice looking good, very important, because I think a lot of people were holding their breath on that one. Yeah, and he and Scandella together already, and they'll be fine. Good Th- pairing. That is still one of the most shocking things to me about the Blues season is how Marco Scandella just arrived and fit in like he had been here his entire career. Yeah, he, he's terrific and just a prince of a guy. Really good guy, too. I think Blues fans, especially now that he's here long term, will really like Marco Scandella. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Coming up, get your takes in for Hot Take Thursday on 101 ESPN. Summer's in full action, and we're thankful for our sponsor today, Manscaped, for keeping dudes out there fresh. Manscaped offers all the right tools to keep your hair groomed above and below the belt. Manscaped is dedicated to helping you level up that full-body grooming game, and they actually just released their Shears 2.0 Nail Kit, which is the perfect add-on to their Lawnmower 3.0 or Perfect Package. Now, the Shears 2.0 is a luxury four-piece nail kit. I know you're probably wearing flip-flops during the summer. Hot tip from a female. People don't want to see your nasty, unclipped toenails, okay? No one likes an ungroomed man. Women, we talk about these things. Don't be that guy. That's why Manscaped has forever changed their grooming game with their Perfect Package 3.0. It's the best trimmer on the market for those of you in need of a cleanup. And this third-generation trimmer features skin-safe technology to reduce those manscaping accidents. Yikes. For a limited time, subscribers out there can get two free gifts. You can get the Shed Travel Bag, which is a $39 value add, and the patented high-performance reduced chafing Manscaped Boxer Briefs. So get 20% off plus free shipping with the code SMALLS, S-M-A-L-L-S, at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code SMALLS. Summer is here. It's time to manscape. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. It's Hot Take Thursday <laughs> on the 101 ESPN, and it's sizzling. Okay, you want to start with this? Yeah, okay. This is sizzling bacon, and it's yeah. not just sizzling bacon. Sounds amazing. This is on YouTube, Michelle, and I found it. it all I had to do was a Google search. This is 10 hours of bacon sizzling sound. Ten hours. Ten consecutive hours. Of just the same sound. Yeah. So these are the type of people, Randy, that I want to interview. I want to find the person that said, you know what I'm going to do today is compile ten hours worth of bacon sound for my YouTube channel. I like this idea. we got to find this person. I mean, that's a solid use of your time. It really is. And I wonder how this person arrived on ten hours, as if one hour wasn't enough. (laughs) I don't know. You know, and other than us... How many people are really saying, you know what I want as my background ambiance today at my work from home situation? Bacon sizzling. What about if you could find 10 hours of ocean waves? Would you want 10 hours of ocean waves on your phone or on your computer? Well, I would think ocean waves at least could be relaxing. A lot of people listen to stuff like that before they fall asleep. And what other scenario are you saying I need the sound of bacon sizzling today. How about 10 hours of uh, the smell of bacon sizzling? See, that's too much for me. I love the smell of bacon, yeah, 10 but, hours but 10 hours yeah. of, of any sort of smell is going to be overwhelming. All right, let's get to some hot, sizzling hot takes here on 101 ESPN. Okay, so Randy, the way we wanted to construct this was that we each give a super hot take about the Blues and the Cardinals as they, as they return to play. So I'm going to lead with the Blues, Randy. All right. And 
There's not that many hot takes out there about the Blues. We know who they are. We know how they're going to have success, even in this unusual situation. But based on what we've been hearing during this off period, during this quarantine, my sizzling hot Blues take is that us as a Blues collective, the Blues fans of St. Louis, at the end of this playoff run in 2020, we're going to have a completely different opinion of Justin Falk. And it's going to be great, obviously, because our... Our opinion right now is not great. It's, eh, he's all right. Yeah. But the the expectations that we set for Justin Falk when he arrived in St. Louis were high. We thought, okay, we know what type of player you can be. Add this to a Stanley Cup championship equation. Mm-hmm. It's going to be amazing. Not taking in, I don't know, maybe the human being factors of the fact that he's going to have to adjust his role, the fact that he's not going to have a, a stable mm-hmm. role on this team for a while, that he's coming into a very tight-knit group of people that just went on the ride of their lives. He's adjusting to a new city, a new organization. Again, the standards are higher. There's a lot that goes on with that. But to To read his comments to Jeremy Rutherford in The Athletic about how he feels completely differently from a mental space heading into this season, I think is going to be huge. And I also think we're seeing players come into this with a completely different factor, with this sense of urgency factor, because the the game that they're used to playing playing and the game that they love has been removed from their lives for a period of time. And when that happens, when you finally hit the ice, you're going 120%. Now, we, we want everybody to pull it back and ease their bodies in. But I just mean from a mental standpoint, you're saying, I am going all in on this. And not to indicate that he wasn't before, but I think he's more secure in his position on this team. And I think it benefits him that they're all going into a brand new situation together. I'm going to go with uh, Cardinals first, and then I'll give you my blues. My Cardinal hot take is that in the two months of this regular season, both on the field and off the field, because of his knowledge and ability to prepare himself and because of his mentorship of young players, the most important Cardinal for the 2020-60 game season is going to be Adam Wainwright. He's the one that is going to instruct and cajole young players to not go out on the road. He is the one that is going to help young players prepare for this sprint. He's had to deal with situations where his team has had to play really well in a compressed amount of time and obviously command such respect within that clubhouse, he's going to be the most important Cardinal in 2020. I like Adam it. Wainwright. I like it, and I agree. I think he's going to be huge in so many ways. I This isn't even a hot take, really, but I also think performance-wise, Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina, the way we arrived at the discussion point for them at the end of last season, I think it's going to be the same this year. I think they're going to go out there and from a leadership standpoint, obviously be crucial. And I think from a physical standpoint, they're both going to give you exactly what you expect them to. And the debate will rage on. Yep. And then my other one is a Blues take. And we all know what Jordan Binnington did last year in the Stanley Cup playoffs. This year in the Stanley Cup playoffs, there's going to be that odd back-to-back game. Jordan Binnington was a top 25 goalie in the NHL during the first four months of the season. Jake Allen was a top three goalie statistically in the NHL during the regular season. I said Adam Wainwright for the Cardinals during the regular season. During these Stanley Cup playoffs, the most important, indispensable member of your St. Louis Blues is going to be Jake Allen. Whoa. I wish we had a, yeah, like a, that is a sizzling hot take. You're telling me out out of all the guys hitting the ice that Jake Allen is the most important X factor. He's going to steal a couple of games for the Blues in the playoffs. 
Wow, Randy. He was sensational during the regular season. He was. And you aren't going to play your goalie back-to-back probably. So especially when you have a really good one, a really good backup like Jake. So he will be, when we look back on the 16 victories that it takes for the Blues to win their second consecutive Stanley Cup, we'll look back and say, we wouldn't have won it without him. He was the most important guy. Wow. Uh, your text, 6578, you have a Cardinal one, right? Um, my Cardinal, I gave you kind of yeah. a, a half Cardinal one. I kind of piggybacked off your Cardinal's hot take. Uh, I think you said Adam Wainwright is going to be yeah. the most important X factor off the field, and he's going to provide a lot of leadership on the field. I think when all of this is said and done, we are going to look at the, the 2020 St. Louis Cardinals, and I think Paul DeYoung is going to be your MVP. I think he is going to be outstanding offensively. I think he's going to have a monster season, and I think when we're talking about Paul's, it's going to be Paul DeYoung this season, not Paul Goldschmidt. Wow, that is a hot take. Woo. Pauly D, not Pauly G. <laughs> Pauly, Pauly G. <laughs> All right. Uh, from the 636, Michelle, hot take. Other blues don't have this attribute. Petro is irreplaceable. Um, I respect Petro immensely. But I, if I've learned anything in sports, it's that everyone is replaceable at some point. As the old adage goes... The cemeteries are full of indispensable people. Exactly. So, I mean, it's it sounds callous, and I would love to see Petro return because I do understand the value, the intrinsic value that he mm-hmm. brings to this team on so many layers. But we, how many guys that we we would have said that about David Backus at some point on this Blues team yeah. years ago? We would have said he is the captain. Look at what he brings to you on and off the ice. We cannot remove him from the equation. I and know they're they won without him. Yeah, they're boxed into a corner in terms of the salary cap with Petrangelo. But that being said, my opinion on this has evolved, and I would love for them. I would go higher in terms of salary to sign him now than I might have gone at the end of the regular season, the the, the end of the 60 games. That being said, I don't think that there's a, a financial way to do it, not with the cap staying the same as it is, not with everybody else that is any good being uh, a, a, a within the salary cap. Uh, I don't, For example, I don't think that they can trade Jake Allen to a needy team. The teams that are scary for me, Colorado, mm-hmm. they have a ton of salary cap space for next year, and they could really – not only would they love to have Petro – and they have to sign some of their guys, but they'd love to take him away from the Blues. And then the other team that I can totally see that has a ton of salary cap space and is going for it is the Florida Panthers. There they are in a state where they don't have a state income tax. Joel Quenville is the coach. We know how Joel coaches defensemen and how he could use a guy like Petro. Had Keith and Seabrook in Chicago and... Petro would be one of those stud guys that he could use. To me, the Panthers are the scariest team to go out and get Petro in free agency. Doesn't that just seem so wrong, though, to think about Petro going to Florida? Yeah, it does. But that's a team that's trying to win. It it makes sense. Climate, coach, desire to win, ability to pay him. They seem to have all the attributes. They went out and signed Bobrovsky last year, didn't have a great year. But with Quenville, they're going to win. He's just a winning coach. And that is the spot that makes the most sense for me. That makes more sense for me than Colorado does. Uh, a quick cold take, because we're mm-hmm. doing sizzling hot take- takes today. I think a lot of us in St. Louis have a cold take that, speaking of Coach Q, that 
when Mike Yo was fired, everyone said, get on a plane, yep. offer him a blank check. He's the only coach that can get this team to where they need to be to win a cup. And then yeah, here, was, here was Craig Bruby all along. Pretty good. We didn't need Joel Quinville. Uh, from the 314, why, is it, why does it sound like water is running in the background? That's bacon sizzling. Can we turn <laughs> up the bacon a little bit? It kind of does yeah. sound like water, like rain. It does. Yeah, but this is right next to the fry pan from the 314. <laughs> My hot take is that Wayno finally gets a Cy Young Award. Shortened season, puts it all on the line, and gets the Cy Young. Oh, wouldn't that be amazing? Yeah. And a couple of more, Michelle, because we're going to get to Jay Delsing. Tiger Woods coming back uh, this weekend, so we're going to talk to Jay about that. But I've got a couple for you. Okay. Number one, you heard the other day that the president... Uh, Talked about how great Lou Saban has been for the University of Alabama. Lou Saban, the former head coach of the Buffalo Bills Patriots in the NFL. And yesterday, when asked about the possibility of playing against Alabama in a SEC-only schedule, Eli Drinkwitz said, would Lou Saban or Nick Saban be the head coach at Alabama? <laughs> so my hot take in this regard is if Mizzou plays Alabama, the Crimson Tide could use Lou Saban or Nick Saban and still beat Mizzou. I know this is not a take it or leave it, but I'll take it. <laughs> and finally, if the NBA and NHL bubbles do succeed this year, we will have a league, maybe the XFL, that only plays in a bubble environment with every game in one city. So that teams don't have to travel, that teams don't have to pay rent in multiple stadiums around the league, so that players can all be together and practice together. I believe we will see a bubble league. In the future? Yep. Maybe next year, if the XFL comes back. So, initially, I thought, XFL returning, I don't care if it's in a bubble, yay. But that also pains my heart, Randy, because I would want the bubble to be here. Because of the Battlehawks' return, the entire joy aspect of having the Battlehawks is that they're in town and that you get to go to the games. What about the St. Louis Battlehawks, but they play their games in San Antonio, Texas? Mm. No? I would watch I would mm-hmm. cheer for them, but it's just, you know, it's like having full-fat ice cream and then only being able to have low-fat yogurt for the rest of your life. You know what I mean? Yeah. Ha- watching that team in the Dome, the entire experience, it, it was an experience. It wasn't just, I'm going to watch a game. It was, I'm going here for the tailgating and for the fans and for the energy of the crowd. And would we watch them if they were in a bubble? Sure. Would we enjoy it as much? Of course not. No, because you could have St. Louis players that have never been to St. Louis before. Right. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. And we're going to keep your hot takes going throughout the morning here on 101 ESPN. So get them into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Or you can send us a hot take mic drop uh, with the 101 ESPN app. Just download the app and leave us a mic drop, the Rhino Shield mic drop, with your hot takes. Coming up, Tiger Woods is back this weekend. And Jay Delsing is here to talk about it next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. With Michelle Smallman, I'm Randy Character. Great to have you with us here on 101 ESPN. And it's always great to visit with our friend and uh, former PGA Tour pro, Jay Delsing. Golf with Jay Delsing Sunday mornings here on 101 ESPN. And Tiger is returning to the Memorial this weekend, and Jay is always good to talk about Tiger and the tour on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Good morning, sir. How are you doing? 
Hey, Randy, Michelle, how you guys doing? Doing well. You and I did a show back in the day at 550, and we would do an hour a week, and it seems like we would try to find other things to talk about. This is 2004, 2005. Other things to talk about than Tiger Woods on the tour. And here we are 15 years later, Jay, and we're still talking about Tiger Woods and his effect on the tour. It's pretty remarkable. You know, it is, Randy. This guy just moves our needle, and he, he really moves the sports needle. He's uh, generational for sure. I don't know what sort of adjective we could use that would be bigger than that, but he uh, he's pretty special. Jay, I was reading that uh, Tiger and Bryson DeChambeau played together in a practice round yesterday, and a lot of people were paying attention to that. And afterwards, they were interviewing Bryson about uh, playing with Tiger, and here was his quote. He said, back in the day, he was it. He was the golden star. He was the one everybody looked up to. So while he still moves the needle with us from a fan's perspective in golf, how do you think the guys who are actually in it view Tiger Woods right now? Yeah, great, great question, Michelle. You know, there was a time where he had this mystique that he seemed smarter than everybody else. He's certainly better than than everybody else, but there's been so many cracks in that, uh, oh gosh, that kind of wall that he put up that uh, no one is, these young players are not intimidated by him anymore. They're not afraid of what he can do on the golf course anymore. When we were playing against him, we were like, wait a second, Here's a, this is like playing poker with a guy that has all the aces every time. I mean, he's longer than us. He puts better than us. He, he thinks better than us. And, you know, that's not the case with, uh, with uh, the competition that's out on the PGA Tour right now. And what Bryson is doing, you guys, I think it's just so it's, – it's, it's refreshing in the sense that he's doing this all his own way. You know, we've got so many guys that are kind of taught to swing the same and do the same thing as this guy and that guy. And he's out there just – flying his freak flag man and i love it i think it's great do you think having uh other golfers who are currently on tour jay kind of needle tiger woods in that way and it's such a public manner is something that golf needs because whether you loved tiger woods or you hated him golf needs a villain and i think if people either you know exalt tiger or they kind of view him as hey he's not that big of a threat maybe that makes them the villain by talking badly about tiger well, you, you really have to be careful about what you do to the Golden Goose. You know, <laughs> what, what, Tiger's, what Tiger's done for golf, you guys, is what Wayne Gretzky did for the NHL back when he moved from Edmonton to L.A. So our water level from salary-wise and purse-wise has just gone crazy, all because of Tiger. And um, so you can do whatever you want with him. But, you know, he's one of those guys. I don't know if you remember some of this stuff, but we, we used to have the Accenture match play at the beginning of the year. And Tiger's one of those guys that he'll go, I think in other sports they call it bulletin board material, but he looks for things to get him motivated. And, and Kevin Na came out, or Stephen Ames came out one time and said, you know, I don't know what the whole big deal is about Tiger. I'm playing him in the first round, you know, here this week. And, you know, I'm playing great. And Tiger beat him uh, nine and seven. <laughs> he, he just, yeah, it, it's kind of like what we saw from Michael Jordan, right? It's that same sort of level of competitiveness where if somebody says they're better, Tiger's going to prove them wrong. Yeah, Randy, he's got gears that we've not we've not seen that often because prior to you know with Jack and Arnold and all the the, the stars and icons that came before, it was pretty genteel and you know there were some fist pumps and everything, but. Tiger made it known that not only did he want to beat you, 
he wanted to just grind you into the dirt. He wanted to beat you by 20. And he didn't care if it was brash or, or whatever. And I think golf needed it. I mean, we're, we, we can just get so stale sometimes. With the history and everything is terrific. But it's so bad sometimes, you know. And it's, I, think it, I think, well, I know, it's, just been, it's been great for the game. And it's brought in a much wider uh, variety of spectator for us. And we want to talk about the new brash guy a little bit more in a moment. But I want to go back to something you mentioned that young players – think the course as well as Tiger. And I've always thought that's what separated Tiger Woods. Who do you think is at least challenging him with that ability to think their way through a round? Well, boy, I don't know if anybody thinks their way through a round as well as Tiger does, but you look at a guy like Brooks Kepka, and this is another guy that's always looking for some drama that he can put, you know, put and figure out how to, how to make it him against everybody else. And he, and he, and he motivates himself this way. And he really gets, um, gets up for the big events, which is not easy to do you guys when you're trying to do your prep, you know, how do you get yourself peaking at the right time? So Brooks Kepka has got this special it factor. When I notice it, that it's, it's pretty good. I was doing PGA tour live last week at the, for the workday charity open and, Brooks Kepka was in our featured groups, and he's not playing with a damn right now. He, he's hitting the driver all over the place. But uh, another guy talent-wise that I just love to watch is Justin Thomas. I mean, last week he just dismantled the golf course for the majority of it and had a little problem coming in, and Colin Morikawa just, you know, really rose up and, and snatched the, the tournament from him. But um, we've got three young guys, you, you guys, right now that are um, – really fun to watch. They're, they're not at the level that Tiger is in terms of thinking and managing his way around the course yet, but Colin Morikawa, Victor Hovland, and uh, Matthew Wolf, you know, these guys are in the early 20s. I think Hovland's only 20, and he's the first player on the PGA Tour from Norway, for God's sakes. It's just great, it's just great to see this international game, but, you know, I, I'm sometimes taken aback when I watch this. I'm like, what? I, I thought when I was playing the tour that it was so interesting and cool and it wasn't at all we were all just the same kind of vanilla guys right? <laughs> to do our thing and now we have it you know it, the pga tour is the world tour we've got flags flying from so many different countries it's terrific to see uh, jay i have one more tiger question for you i think the last time that we spoke to you here on character's moment i asked you about golfers adjusting to not having fans in the gallery but tiger woods is a completely different beast when it comes to dealing with fans i have never seen anything like it in sports watching crowds follow him around so how do you think he's gonna adjust to that great another great question michelle i'm not sure i'm not sure the one thing that i know about this dude is that when he gets his focus on I don't think it matters. You know, you could put him anywhere, and I think he could he could do his thing. But this is a guy that definitely plays up to the crowds and definitely peaks and can channel that energy from the people in a real positive way for himself. It, it's just still weird, you guys, to sit out there and look at this um, memorial golf course and property that's just gorgeous, and you're so used to seeing, you know, 40,000, 50,000 spectators on the course every day and walking around, you know, see him hitting shots into nine and 18, which is beautiful amphitheater type settings. And there's not a soul, soul around. It's just, it's bizarre. It's bizarre. And what they're doing this week hasn't been done. You guys, since the fifties where they actually played back to back tour events 
on the same venue. So there's all sorts of crazy new normals. I'm not sure I even, I don't even know what's going on, but I can't <laughs> wait for the Cardinals to come back and the Blues to start the playoffs. And, and, I, and we definitely want spectators back on the golf course. I do, at least. Yeah, me too. Hey, Jay, I want to go back to Bryson DeChambeau. And he is, uh, he'll be a great villain if he keeps it up. And he was kind of a villain last year because of the pace of play. And now he's built himself up. He already had that scientific approach. Now he's, he's built like the Hulk. And we've talked before about how Tiger changed the game, how Kepka changed the game. Now DeChambeau is hitting the ball 400 yards off the tee with a scientific approach and his just his monstrous body. Is he a guy that changes the game now going forward? Do kids look at Bryson DeChambeau and say, okay, that's what I want to be? Well, well, Randy, how, how do they not? You know, all sports is copycat once you see success. I mean, look at how basically what we're watching right now, you guys, on the PGA Tour is the Tiger effect. He's just brought massive amounts of, of power into the game. And, and unlike the other sports, like where Barry Bonds did, you know, changed his body by using drugs and everything, you see Bryson DeChambeau looks like he's got a little peanut head on top of this massive body. This just looks so unusual. But that's what it looks like when you do it, you know, legitimately. I really am expecting to see um, somebody jump on the bandwagon. And I think uh, Eddie Pepperell, he's a, a, a player from – England, it's um, a, a good player. You probably haven't heard much of him. He doesn't play over here a whole lot. Has gone on social media and kind of gone, I'm coming after you, Bryson. I'm going to go ahead and, you know, try to bulk up. And there's a big bag of protein powder in his, <laughs> in his post. And uh, so I, I do think they're, they're going to go after it that way, guys. And it was inevitable, really. But what's really interesting is Bryson has the, all the weirdness about him, you know, because he's he's got clubs that are all the same length. And, you know, he's just got a... a a bag of uh, a clubs and just a whole mindset that is completely different. And he's not afraid to test or push any of these limits that have never even been broached before, at least not in my time. Pretty incredible. Jay Delsing, we will look forward to hearing you Sunday morning at 9 here on 101 ESPN. Of course, people can check out your website, jdelsinggolf.com, for tips. And you can look back on some of the shows, and you give great golfing tips on the show. So we're looking forward to that, and we appreciate you taking some time with us this morning. Oh, no problem, guys. Thanks for having me on. You got it. That is the great Jay Delsing. He is our teammate here at 101 ESPN. And like we said, golf with Jay Delsing, Sunday morning, 9 to 10 here on 101 ESPN. You going to be locked into Tiger's return? I am. Yeah. It's, I, I was celebrating yesterday, wasn't I? Yes, you were. That's right. I forgot you had your Tiger <laughs> outfit on, your red polo, your black pants. I went out and I, I hit the ball pretty well Okay, yesterday. And I talked to Jay last night. And uh, Jay is going to help me out with my short game, which is... What is devastating my game right now? He said he's going to turn me into a decent golfer. Oh, my gosh. I've made my way from woefully mediocre to mediocre, and now I'm looking from getting to from mediocre to, yeah. We need updates on this. Okay, I'll give you updates. Yeah, we're going to play in a couple of weeks, and he's going to give me some tips to uh, improve my short game. Can I know that every golfer is different, but if he gives you any general knowledge, feel free to pass it along. Oh, I absolutely will. <laughs> okay, Here's good. my thing. It's, it's my short game. And I was telling so I, I shoot 86, 87, and I'll putt 41, 42 times. If I could just get rid, rid of 10 putts, if I could go from 41 putts to 31 putts, 10 strokes, all of a sudden that 86, 87 turns into a 76, 77, and I'm feeling great about myself. Sounds e- it sounds easy when you say it, Randy. Doing <laughs> it, really it is completely different. <laughs> I tried for a long time. <laughs> Coming up, take it or leave it on 101 ESPN. 
We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Captain. I'm going to have to take that. Take it. Yeah. Although, I would think that they would want to take care of Vladdy too, but Ryan O'Reilly, yeah, he's the guy. He's got to be the guy. Take it. Ryan O'Reilly is a captain without the C on a sweater. Take it. Totally. Yep. Thank you, Tanner. Thank you. Tanner, with your Take It or Leave It's on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we are going to talk uh, to Marty Beron. He is a former NHL goalie, studio analyst for the Sabres, and uh, Marty joins us next on 101 ESPN. We are right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. With Michelle Smallman, I'm Randy Carricker. Great to have you with us here on 101 ESPN in St. Louis. Hockey is coming back. The Blues obviously underway at the Centene Ice Center. Teams around the league are coming back before they head to their bubbles in Edmonton and Toronto. And uh, former NHL goalie, current Sabres analyst, Marty Baran, a friend of the station, friend of the show, joins us here on 101 ESPN on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Marty, it's great to have you with us. How are you doing? Well, it's great to be with you guys, and I have to admit I'm jealous. I'm jealous that I'm watching on Twitter and reading articles and, you know, uh, watching interviews, and I'm not a part of it. Like, I'm sitting at home in Buffalo, and I'm like, we may, we may start playing again in December. I don't know. I, I wish our team was part of this, and so I'm jealous of you guys. Oh, it's especially here, right? Because the Blues are trying to defend the Stanley Cup championship, and there's nothing like it. Yeah, no, this is this is great. I mean, obviously, it's unlike any other year. And uh, when you you get to the playoffs and you're defending your title, it's always a great time for the franchise, for the fans. Uh, this is going to be different, but it's still the same thing. Like you, you almost forget because it's been so long now. You have to go back to last June uh, when the Blues lifted the cup, but you almost forget that uh, what they did last year from Christmas on. And, and what they did this year, I mean, they're the best, the best team in the Western Conference. Uh, you know, one of the top, you know, three, four teams in the National Hockey League, in my opinion. So uh, it's been a pretty wild ride for a year, a year and a half here for the Blues, and it's going to keep on going even wilder with the playoffs this year. Marty, we know that the NHL playoffs are so intense. The the level that you have to get to as a player is unrivaled, I think, in any sport. But when you're coming off a pause like this and you don't have the momentum from the end of the regular season to kind of carry that wave into the playoffs, how do you think players are going to be able to adjust to that level of intensity from a mental standpoint? You know, I, I think back of 2012-2013 uh, when we went through a lockout and we missed the first half of the season. So for some teams... Like myself, uh, you know, we had lost in the first round the year before, so we were out, you know, late April. We didn't start playing until January. Uh, yes, it wasn't playoff hockey, but still, you know, there was that excitement in the air because we it had been so long removed before we had played. And I think that's how the excitement is going to be with the players this year. It's going to be a completely different environment. No fans, no game operations, no sounds in the building. Uh, living in the bubble, not being with your family. So it's going to be totally different. But I think everybody is going to be excited to be back. And that's going to give you that energy, that boost of energy, maybe that that feeling that you're entering something special uh, that you don't really need to have played you know, the last 10 games, 15 games at a high level to be able to achieve that. 
specifically for goalies that haven't been on the ice in a long time. And Marty, you had to bounce back from injuries and you've had to deal with it. But you, you go four months without being on the ice, basically three months. What's the biggest concern for a goaltender? Oh, I think mental fatigue, uh, because once you play, you know, the, uh, usually coaches at the start of the season will rotate their goaltenders a lot quicker in, 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 the, uh, in the game plan. So, you know, maybe your starter will go two, three games in a row, and then your backup will play one. And again, a two, three games in a row, backup plays one. But after Christmas and down the stretch, usually that goes to five or six games in a row for the starter until the backup plays. So you build that mental strength. Physically, you work out, you're on the ice, your body seems to be doing all right. But mentally, that's what somebody says. They're in mid-season form. I don't think it's mid-season form physically. It's mid-season form mentally. So I think that's the biggest challenge for a, a starting goalie, a guy like Jordan Bington, to be able to uh, to stay mentally sharp throughout the whole playoffs. We know it's going to be a little over two months if you go all the way to the Stanley Cup Finals. So... Um, that is going to be, for me, the biggest challenge. But we've seen Jordan Bennington do that last year. I mean, how good was he after a loss? How mentally strong was he and composed in any situation? So I'm, I'm not really concerned about him, but I know there's other goalies around the league that I, I'd have some concerns about. Marty, every player is going into this situation with fresh eyes, which I think is really interesting because so many hockey players are very strict with their routine. They know what it's like when they go on the road, they have their routine. They know what it's like for to be at home and on home ice and have their routine. How do you think players are going to adjust to that, to basically having to start from ground zero and adjust from a routine standpoint once they get to their hub cities? Well, I think at first they're going to love it. Listen, there's, there's one of the best things and playoff hockey is when you get on the road. Because as hockey players, you usually are on the road for one night and then you get out of that city. You're never staying in the same city three or four or five nights in a row. Baseball does that, right? They have a four-game series. They're in. They unpack in their hotel room, and they actually can stay there for a little bit. In hockey, you never take your stuff out of your bag. You can't put it in the closet or in the drawers because – 12 hours, 20 hours later, you're moving out to a different city. So in the playoffs, the best thing is when you check in, you're checking in for five days, and then you usually have this room in the hotel where the team all hang out, hangs out together. You play cards, you play video games. Uh, you have your, you know, your, three, your treatments, like your trainers are there. Um, and this is one of the best uh, atmosphere in, in, in your whole season. And now they're going to have that, and even at, at a bigger stage, right, that bubble is going to be the team together. We all hang out together. So it's going to be fun for the first couple of weeks. The teams that are going to do the best, I believe, are the teams that are going to be able to maintain that sense of we want to be together all the time. We're, we're a tight-knitted group, um, and, and we're going to you know, force through this all the way to the end. Uh, You're going to see some teams that are, you know, five guys are going to go one way, five guys are going to go the other way. And I think those teams are going to struggle a little bit. The teams that want to stay together and are a family in the bubble are going to succeed more. And that, boy, that fits the blues to a T. Oh, yeah. And I, you know, listen, I know Craig Berube really well. He was my assistant coach when I was with the Flyers for a couple of years. Uh, That's what he does. That's what he does best. He, He he likes to gather everybody together. He likes to give them that feeling that they're a family, that everybody has a part, 
I, I mean, I can totally see how uh, this is going to be a fun time for uh, uh, for the Blues. I just saw a tweet from David Perron uh, yesterday about, you know, with Carl Koliakovo and those guys and how they used to play video games together. And, and he seems like, Perron seems like he can't wait to go to the bubble and, <laughs> and get the video games again. So it, it, it's fun. Marty, do you have a, a great Chief story that you can share with us? Oh, man. Uh, yeah, I guess I could. So my first practice I, I with the Flyers, uh, you know, John Stevens was our head coach, and, and Johnny goes, hey, Chief, why don't you give the guys a two-on-one drill? So Craig Berube gets the dry erase marker, he goes to the board, and he draws up this two-on-one drill where guys are in the corner, and there's a pass. They regroup, they attack two-on-one. I'm like, oh, that's a good drill. I like it. So then the next day, practice, John Stevens looks over to Chief. He says, Chief, why don't you give the boys a two-on-one drill? And he grabs the marker, and he goes to the board, and he draws up the exact same drill he drew the day before. And I'm thinking, well, he probably could have just said, hey, guys, same two-on-one drill, the one in the corner you guys go. Like, you don't have to draw it again. So I asked one of the guys, I'm like, are we always doing the same two-on-one drill? He goes, he pulled up that drill every practice from the start of the year, and he draws it up every time. Like, it's just, you know, he's just a – guys were laughing, and I think he <laughs> caught on to the joke, and he wanted to keep it fun and light. So every time he wanted to go to the board and draw the drill up, instead of just saying, hey, guys, we're doing the, the same one. It was I, I just thought it was funny, and I thought he was just doing it just to keep the guys light and to, to play into the, uh, you know, the fun jokes that, uh, that we would do, but – uh, there's so many other ones. I mean, I played against him, and he was a, a trash talker, and uh, we can't share those stories on the air, but I, I, he was one of the best. Hey, Marty Baran, before we let you go, people that might not have been paying attention during quarantine might not realize that the Sabres uh, relieved their general manager, Jason Botterill, of his duties and replaced him with Kevin Adams. And here in St. Louis, you look at it and you say, how much did the trade of Ryan O'Reilly to the Blues and the Blues winning the Stanley Cup have to do with that? So from your perspective, how much did the O'Reilly trade have to do with the the Sabres making a change at GM? A lot of the fans there are going to say that was the beginning of the end for Jason Bottrell. I don't believe it. I think he tried to make the Sabres better by trading one player and acquiring multiple pieces. You know, uh, Patrick Berlin, Vladimir Zabolka, uh, Tage Thompson, a first-round pick. He acquired a ton of pieces. It just hasn't worked out for him. And then some trades are going to work and some trades are not going to work. But the biggest part of, I think, what happened with Jason Bottrell is that for two years now, the team has stayed the same. Um, there was rumors of maybe a defenseman being traded to acquire some some help at forward. The Sabres don't score any goals uh, or enough goals. And uh, those those were never made. Those trades were never done. So I think that's really was the uh, um, where the decision was made as the team didn't improve over the last two years. The O'Reilly trade was, you know, was a tough one to swallow, but you're not going to win every trade. And I mean, in December last year, everybody was laughing about the trades and, well, yeah. it's not working for Ryan O'Reilly in St. Louis. It's just they got hot and they won the cup, and that's, that's the way it goes. Marty, it's great to hear your voice, and uh, we're glad that you're going to be back in hockey next November or whatever when, once we get started again. But enjoy this run during the bubble. Well, what's great is I may be able to golf and watch uh, hockey at the same time, so that's awesome. There you go. It doesn't get any better. Have a great summer. Yeah. Thank you, sir. Thank you, guys. See you later. Marty Baron, the Sabres 
analyst here on 101 ESPN and a fun guest always. I loved that anecdote about Chief. Yeah. It's just, he's so serious and intimidating, but he is a fun guy and likes to keep it light with, with his players. And that's one of the reasons, don't you think, that yep. the Blues have a really good chance here. And be having fun in the bubble, like Marty talked about. That'll be huge. Next up, we want more of your hot takes. Uh, we're going to give you some fresh takes, but we want more hot takes. Because it is Hot Take Thursday here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> A fresh perspective on the day's biggest stories. It's Carriker and Smallman's Fresh Take. Powered by Schnucks. Eat good to feel great at Schnucks on 101 ESPN. We want your hot takes of the Cardinals with another inter-squad game tonight. And Michelle and I will be covering that one for you. Adam Wainwright against KK. Those are your two starting pitchers as the Cardinals continue preparations for that July 24th opener against Pittsburgh here in St. Louis. And right now, it's the 16th. So if my math is correct, Michelle, the season starts a week from tomorrow. Oof. The countdown is on. The official countdown is on. Yeah, eight days. And then we'll just cross it off and it'll be seven days and then six. Does it make you nervous that we're getting this close? No, I like it. I like it too, but there's a part of me, Randy, that is concerned that something is going to happen. The closer that we get, the more anxious I get that it's actually going to go off without a hitch. I'm actually more confident now than I have been in some time. And obviously the Cardinals have some issues. And, and we mention it every day with Reyes, with the Gallegos, and with Henesis Cabrera. But hopefully they'll get those guys back. When you look at the Blues, getting Colton Pareko back, and hope, and we don't know why he was out in the first place, but getting Bortuzzo back and the number of players that have been limited throughout both sports and now are back. I think that uh, it's something to be positive about. And even Jeff Passan, who hasn't always been the most positive guy, he's been more positive than Buster only. But Jeff Passan of ESPN believes, hey, we're going to play. I think a season's starting. And look, the the closer that we get to a season starting, I think the closer we get to a season finishing. I, I feel like this is not something that they want to start and then stop in the middle. This is not something that you want to invest the time, the money, everything right. in only to get the playoffs taken away. So my confidence at the beginning of training camps was, you know, 50% we're going to get to a season. I'm about at 100 at this point. It's just going to take something, you know, a a massive outbreak with a team that totally screws everything up. And so far, teams have been doing a pretty good job of following protocols. So far. And I hope Mm -hmm. that it stays consistent. But when I think about the NHL... We're talking about this phase right now. And then the goal is to get to the hub city. And then I think once you get the players in the hub city, you test them and they're in their space, they'll get used to a routine of being there. But I get worried about baseball because the the travel component of what's going to happen in Major League Baseball really throws a wrench into things. You're bringing in a lot of variables that could disrupt this pretty quickly. Yeah. Hot takes via the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Uh, Here's one from the 618 Hot take, Carlson will be the number two hitter by the end of the season. Oh, you smiled when I said that. Love that hot take. That's a good one. And we would uh, we would love that to be the case. Uh, here's one from the 314. I don't believe that your optimism in this year's Cardinals will be rewarded. I think it's going to actually be a disappointing year, especially the starting pitching. That's a hot take. 
I we, we invite all hot takes. Absolutely. That that is a great hot take. It it's is. certainly hot and, and it's, it's conversation starter. It's certainly not out of the realm of possibility that it could be a disappointing year. We expect number one, you don't know what's going to happen with injuries. Of course. And we expect that Flaherty is going to be good and we expect that uh, Dakota Hudson is going to be fine, but last year was kind of his breakout year. Could he have the quote-unquote sophomore slump? Michaelis did not have a good year last year. Wainwright had a good year, but that was after four mediocre years. I can see how the Cardinals starting pitching would be disappointing. And we all are optimistic because this is kind of like spring training, although it is summer camp brought to you by Camping World. <laughs> but hope springs eternal in summer camp, right? Yes, it's the whole point of summer camp is for, is for yeah. us to have optimism. Right. About, and by the way, everything else, once you step out of the sports world, it's doom and gloom. So, mm-hmm. yes, we might sound a little homerish when we're talking about the potential success of the Cardinals and the Blues, but we need that right now. Like, Let us enjoy that right yeah, now before real- reality sets in. But I, I do think that both of the teams that we're talking about actually have great chances at success this season. Yeah. From the 636 they will never admit this. The Blues are the number one pick among NHL insiders. How about that? It's a good take. And I think that a lot of insiders do admit that they have the Blues as their number one pick. Well, they should. They're they the should. champions. Who came back and had a great season post-championship and were primed to make an unbelievable run at defending that championship. Mm-hmm. And you're getting Vladimir Tarasenko back. That so- is a good reason to pick the Blues. I know a lot of people have the Bruins. They have other teams in that conversation. But I think that's the whole point is that the Blues are in that conversation with a lot of these insiders. They might not pick them to repeat just because it's incredibly difficult to repeat as Stanley Cup champions. But I think if you talk to anybody about, hey, who are the teams that I'm keeping an eye on? The Blues are there. Don't you think? They, they're the number one, clearly the number one pick in the West. Clearly. From the 314, with the crowd noise at Bush Stadium, Chris Bryant will be booed in STL. <laughs> he should be. I'm gonna I'm gonna take that for the hot take Thursday. Yeah. This might be our hottest take of the day. Oh gosh. Right here from okay. the 314. Yachty is going to hit 20 bombs. Wow. In 60 games. You need that bacon sounder. Yeah. Cue up the 10 hours of bacon. Which would be right there with uh Babe Ruth and Roger Maris. Because every game equals three. So I and this is my math, but if every game equals three and he hits twenty. That means that for 162 games, he's right there at 60 or 61. That would be incredibly impressive. So I think that's a really hot take, and I love it. Super hot take. Impressive. <laughs> uh, for uh, Hot Take Thursday from the 314, everyone is predicting an underdog or a random team to make the World Series or to go on a run. My hot take is that the World Series will be Cardinals and Yankees, and the whole country will be pissed off about it, besides the BFIB and Yankee fans. I have been waiting for a Cardinals-Yankees World Series. Me too. Almost had it in 96. Man, if the Cardinals could just win one, then they lost three in a row and they got drilled by Atlanta. 96, if they just win one of those, they have a World Series against the Yanks. I think that the country would be angry about a Cardinals-Yankees World Series, but I think because of the hatred factor, everybody would be tuned in. They would. And it is arguably... I, I think the Red Sox, well, the Red, no, the Yankees are the most iconic franchise. In the National League, you could argue that the Dodgers are, even though the Cardinals have won more World Series, the Dodgers have been to more World Series. But we've already had Dodgers Yankees mm-hmm. in our lifetime. So, yes, in the, the Yankees, Cardinals, and 
for me, I had it in 64 when I was two. But the, a, a Cardinals-Yankees World Series would be awesome. I, because I would argue that it's the most iconic franchise in the National League versus the most iconic in the American League. Who do you think other fans would cheer for? Because people hate the Cardinals. Hate the Cardinals. Because they've had so much success over the past decade. Um and I think people just get sick of seeing them on TV. But it's the Yankees. You don't want to cheer for it's, the Yankees. They're still the evil, evil empire, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. So what do you do? Do you cheer for the Midwestern market who, you know, even though you might have negative feelings towards, yeah. are still kind of a feel-good story? Or do you just say, you know, it's the Yankees. Baseball's better when the Yankees are winners. Here's what like I think that. would happen. I, I would guess that, at least from a media standpoint, since the Yankees haven't been in or won a World Series since 2009, I think the perception will be, Oh, it's time. And it's we, time. We, we need to get the Yankees a World Series because baseball is in a better place if the Yankees are the evil empire and they're the champions. I mean, the Cardinals won a few years after that. It's not like they have won two years ago. But the Yankees are different. I mean, they've got 27 world championships True. and they need their 28th because they're the Yankees. And the, the, the Yankees are the Yankees. The Cardinals aren't the Cardinals. True. That's... Not the perception here, but I think nationally that is. the It's throughout sports. It's the Cowboys in the NFL. It's Duke in college basketball. It's Notre Dame in college football. It's the Yankees in MLB. And then the, the Lakers and Celtics are tied for the NBA. And Canadians in hockey. Yeah. So St. Louis versus everybody. I'm there. Yeah, that's fine. We Sorry. can handle that. Yeah, no problem. That is our fresh take and our hot takes here on 101 ESPN. I'll give you a couple more hot takes, Michelle. From the 314, sports betting will be more of a sucker's bet than ever this year. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I, that's, a, that's a really good take. Yep. And uh, let's see. Uh, Randy, the 04 Yankees were up on the Red Sox but didn't go to the World Series, obviously. And, uh, oh, yeah, almost in 04 because of the fact right. that the Cardinals did make it to the World Series and the Yankees were up 3-0, so... Yeah, that would have been fun. But we'll get one. Maybe this will be the year. Next up, we've got the fight. <laughs> okay. So do you, do you want Big Eagle Randy? Yeah. Okay, so we talked about it. Notre Dame, Duke, the Cowboys, <laughs> the Yankees, and then the fight coming up. And then character. Everybody hates me. No, they don't. Randy, see, this is the problem. You dominate in your megamind. You are the evil empire, and everybody still loves you. <laughs> we'll find out. <laughs> Next up, 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Welcome to the fight on Character and Smallman. In the red corner, average Joe Listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of Morning Drive. Please welcome Randy Character. Welcome back to Carriker and Smallman here on 101 ESPN 835. It's time for the fight. Let's welcome in our challenger this morning. Trent is with us. Trent, good morning. Morning, Michelle. How are you doing? I am doing well. You ready to take on Randy? Ready to ever be. All right, Trent. Question number one. Who did the Cardinals trade to Seattle in exchange for Tyler O'Neill in 2017? Was it Michael? Oh, look at you, Trent. Okay. Don't even need the options. Trent is on fire. This is Hot Take Thursday, and Trent comes out on fire. I love it. Trent, who... I'm trying to get my Randy on. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Trent, who has won the most majors in PGA history? Is it Jack Nicklaus, Tiger Woods, or Arnold Palmer? Oh, it's AMC. Um, 
I think he's chasing Jack. Yeah, A. All right. Trent. As I get my paper here. The St. Louis Blues last won the President's Trophy in the 99-2000 season. Who did the Blues lose to in the first round of the playoffs? Was it the San Jose Sharks, the Detroit Red Wings, or the Edmonton Oilers? Hockey's not my strong suit, but the Sharks did jump to my mind. Um, or is it the Red Wings? I'll go with the Sharks. I'll go A. And last one, Trent, when the 1994 MLB season ended prematurely due to a strike, who was leading the league in home runs? Was it Ken Griffey Jr., Frank Thomas, or Matt Williams? Well, I was one year old when this happened, so (laughs) let's think. Do you want the options again? Yeah, one more time. Was it Ken Griffey Jr., Frank Thomas, or Matt Williams? Matt Williams seems like the least obvious one, so I guess I'll just go with him. Matt Williams, see. Okay. Trent, you brought the heat today. I can't tell you how you did, but, you know, take that as a hint. You did did well. I like that. (laughs) Randy is walking in. Randy, say good morning to Trent. Morning, Trent. How you doing? I'm doing good, Randy. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. We appreciate it. I appreciate it, too. Thanks. Trent brought the heat on this oh, hot good. take Thursday. I like it. So bring bring your A game, right? Okay. Who did the Cardinals trade to Seattle in exchange for Tyler O'Neill in 2017? Marco Gonzalez. Randy, who has won the most majors in PGA history? Jack Nicholas. Randy, the St. Louis Blues last won the President's Trophy in the 99-2000 season. Who did the Blues lose to in the first round of those playoffs? <laughs> Worst. So Mark Bergevin in game three threw the puck into his own net, and uh, they lost to the San Jose Sharks. <laughs> and last one, Randy, when the 1994 MLB season ended prematurely due to a strike, who was leading the league in home runs? I believe, if I'm not mistaken, it was Matt Williams. All right, guys, we have new rules. Uh-huh. which means that the tie does not go to the listener. We have a tiebreaker. You guys both got all four correct. Wow. So let's run Ooh. through Let's run through the answers, and then we're going to go to the tiebreaker. So it was Marco Gonzalez that the Cardinals traded to Seattle in exchange for Tyler O'Neill in 2017. Jack Nicholas has won the most majors in PGA history with 18. The Blues did lose to the Sharks in seven games in the 99-2000 season in the playoffs. Um, and it was Matt Williams who was leading the league in home runs in 94 when the MLB season end, ended prematurely. He had 43. Ken Griffey Jr. was in second with 40. Okay. So we're going to do the tiebreaker question, and here's how this is going to go. I am going to say the question. Randy's going to write down his answer. We're going to do it kind of gauntlet style like the fast lane does. Uh-huh. Trent, you're going to get to answer first, and Randy's going to write okay. down his answer as as you're answering so that he doesn't get to do prices right and kind of based off what you guess, Which go higher fun. or lower. Okay. I'd like to price her. I'll bid $1. $1. I hate that. I think that should be disallowed. Showcase showdown? Yeah. I know. You're like, $1 for a jet ski seems unfair, you know? Yeah, right. That you're just going to play that way. Okay. This is my favorite question we've ever had on the fight. Okay, good. All right, Trent, you're up first. All right. And no options here. So just ballpark figure guess from you, okay? okay. How many Major League Baseball players in history have had the first name Randy? <laughs> 
<laughs> I like this one. Um. Okay, I'm gonna go with. Uh, Don't tell us, right? I know. I'm just okay. writing it down here. I'm gonna overshoot this. I already know. <laughs> um. Yeah, it's got to be at least in the thousands. You think? I'll just go twenty-five hundred. Okay. Randy Carricker, your guess is fourteen. Fourteen was Randy's guess. Twenty-five hundred was Trent's guess. We've got a winner. We have a winner and still champion, Randy Carricker. Brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, your best choice for quality tires and expert auto service. Dobbs. Trent, I am so sorry. Randy got you on the tiebreaker. The answer, how many Randys, how many baseball players have had the first name Randy? 57. Ooh, more Jesus. than I thought. I'm so bad at these kind of <laughs> questions. You guys, this tiebreaker. I'm sorry, Trent. And you killed it. You got all four sports questions right, and then you got the Randy question. Well, you didn't get it wrong. You were just, Randy was closest <laughs> to the pin here. At least, at least I was right. I was going to overshoot it. I'll, I'll take that. But, <laughs> hey, I've always talked crap on this stuff, and I've always said I was going to get four out of four whenever I got on the fight, and so I did, so I'm happy. You know what? You have bragging rights in our book, Trent. Great job. No Thanks for playing. <laughs> All right. I'll see you guys at a Battle Hawk game soon, okay? Oh, bet. Thanks, Trent. Gosh, I would love that. Caw-caw. Caw-caw. You did that the other night just for fun. On I Twitter. tweeted caw just because. And it was a very fun thread because people were sending, like, you got that right, or they were sending tear <laughs> emojis. And it just shows you that tweet got such engagement, and it just shows you the little time that we had with the Battle Hawks was so sweet. It was Two very impactful. Yeah. Ve- very impactful. Yeah, it's kind of like Will Clark's time in St. Louis, right? Or Gretzky's time in St. Louis, both of those guys. That's right. They, and the, the Battle Hawks made a similar impact. Uh, that is the fight on 101 ESPN. By the way, the, I guess Randy Johnson is the most prolific Randy. That's what I, it's the first one that popped into my mind. So, and you had Randy Martz. Uh, Randy Choate. Yeah, forgot about him. He's <laughs> how many? How many active players do you think there are that have the first name Randy? Active players. I'm gonna go. Uh, let's see. There were a total of 57. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna go six. Three. Okay. And I can't remember the... T- I know Randy Rosarena was one, oh, and yeah. I don't remember the other two. Yeah. I but th- I did see it was three. Randy yeah. A. I thought of Randy A right off the bat. So, that's yeah. good. That's a good good stat. 57 total. 57 Randys in baseball history. Coming up, we're going to head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line and talk some blues hockey with our friend, our blues insider from The Athletic, Jeremy Rutherford, who's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. It's time for the Rutherford Report on 101 ESPN. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. It is a hot take Thursday on Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. And we do head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line where Jeremy Rutherford, our Blues Insider from The Athletic, is standing by. JR, how you doing? Doing very well. How are you guys doing? Doing good. I think I'm watching a live MLS game at 849 in the morning. Am I not, Michelle? Looks like it. It says live, Randy, in the corner. Atlanta and Cincinnati are scoreless in the 40th minute. Wow. What do you think of that? Action on the pitch. Yeah, got to like that. Uh, JR, it is Hot Take Thursday here on Carriker and Smallman. And Michelle and I wanted to give you a couple of our blues hot takes, and we want to know if you agree with them, okay? Yeah, I'm yep, gonna, sure. I'm going to start with mine. 
And mine is because of the fact that the Blues are going to have to play some back-to-back playoff games. In the playoffs, the most important Blue will be Jake Allen. And I thought you might go there, and, and I think that's a wise choice. I really do. I think Jordan Biddington is obviously going to get the net uh, to start out. But uh, we saw how Jake Allen played this year, guys, and he was tremendous. And so uh, he's a guy that stays in shape, stays sharp, and uh, I, I think there's no reason to believe that he won't play as well uh, as he did. So with those back-to-backs and, and just with Jordan Bennington going through this uh, again, uh, it's going to be tough. So I think they will need to rely on Jake. All right, Jared, just so you know, Randy threw his hair, his arms up in the air in Score. celebration after you said that was a wise comment. So he feels vindicated <laughs> here. And the pressure is now on me as I give my hot take. Uh, and actually, Jared, was based on something that you wrote. So hopefully you agree with me. But my hottest take uh, for the Blues as they enter the Hub City playoff situation is that by the end of this, Blues fans will have a completely different opinion of Justin Falk as a member of the St. Louis Blues. Yeah, that's a good one, and we did touch on that a couple of weeks ago, so I can't disagree uh, with what I wrote and, and what, with what we talked about that week on the air. Um, I don't know that he'll be able to get it done in, in you know that short a time in the Hub City, in the playoffs. Uh, he, he did say that he feels a lot more comfortable coming back this time around and, and uh, with his situation on the team, but will it take into next season halfway through for him to convince fans that uh, he can play better and they can appreciate what he brings to the team? Uh, I think so. I just don't know that he could do it in a matter of a few weeks, but uh, he'd have to have a really strong tournament, I think, to change the minds of some fans. I just think, JR, that we've, it's been so long since we've seen the Blues in action that we've kind of forgotten a lot of stuff about a lot of players. So I think coupled with the fact that we're coming in as fans with, with not a blank slate, but kind of a smudge slate, and if he comes out and performs really strong, I think that will be the thing that resonates with fans. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, I just think that uh, as I wrote that time, uh, one of the few things that it seems like Blues fans do remember is that Falk didn't play well. It's a, <laughs> <laughs> you can count on one hand the things they remember, and that's one of them. <laughs> JR, you've seen a lot of Blues training camps over the years. What are your impressions of what you've seen here in the first few days of this training camp? Yeah, well, I think it's been a situation uh, where Craig Berube and his staff spoke with Alex Petrangelo, the captain, and the other players, and they said, look, we don't need to be going 100 miles an hour in the first couple of days. Now, let's differentiate things here. Pace, good pace, fast pace is one thing. They certainly have that on the ice. Craig Bruby has been aggressive in his approach in that regard. But Doug Armstrong said it a couple of days ago on Rivs and BK, is that they don't want to fill the players up with too much information early on and start talking about the Hub City and start talking about you know, when are we going to scrimmage and, and so on and so forth. So I think it's a situation where they've communicated well with the players. They've told them what they want early on, and they're slowly but surely going to ramp things up. And that's not totally different from a regular training camp in September. You do play exhibition games quickly in a September training camp. But I think the Blues are taking the mature approach here and realizing that this just isn't a sprint right now. It's a bit of a marathon. JR, it was good to see Colton Pareko back out on the ice. Uh, I don't know if you were out there, but if you were, how did he look to you? Uh, full disclosure, I was not, but Pareko did come back after uh, missing the first day of practice, and we can only assume you know, that they're not giving out uh, the COVID uh, players, uh, but uh, we do know that some Blues players were quarantined and were 
Pareko and Bortuzzo among them, you know, just conjecture. But they did miss the first day. Uh, Pareko was back, and uh, they slid him back into that spot with Marco Scandella, and those two played terrifically in the 11 games down the stretch of the regular season. Uh, so you can expect that pair to be together when this all gets going again. Bortuzzo was not back out there. They did have an off-ice workout yesterday, so uh, they weren't in public viewing. Was Bortuzzo back? We don't know. Uh, could find out today when the team is back on the ice at 10 o'clock. Uh, Bortuzzo obviously gives the Blues a lot of depth on that right side. Uh, so I, I think that uh, you look at that Blues defensive core, and it looks exactly the same that it did you know, pre-pause, but now they've brought up some depth. They've got some good players up skating with them, and Nico McCullough, uh, also, Jake Wallman, Derek Pouillat. So, uh, a lot of depth on that Blues uh, defense right now. JR, I don't think that Marco Scandella will feel pressure, but perhaps the biggest reason, I, I told Michelle earlier, I think aside from Bennington, of all the lines and all the defense pairings, the most important one for the Blues last year was Bo Meester and Pareko in the Stanley Cup run. And, and that does put some pressure on a guy like. Marco Scandella to play with Pareko to the best of his abilities. Is he going to be Jay Bomeister? No. Jay Bomeister was, and people might not believe it here in St. Louis, but he was an elite defenseman. And Scandella has to play pretty darn well to, to even approximate what that pairing of Bomeister and Pareko was last year. You're right. And uh, Bomeister, uh, underappreciated. I know that uh, some people kind of. Uh, you know, liked what he did towards the end of last year, and especially in the playoffs. And maybe they came around on him a little bit, Randy, as opposed to a year ago when it looked like his career might be over, coming back from that hip injury. Uh, but Scandella has has jumped in there and just fit perfectly. I thought a guy like Brendan Dillon, San Jose, was probably going to be your best fit veteran guy. Left side can play with Pareko, also play PK. Uh, Doug Armstrong and his and his staff, they go out and find a guy, and Marco Scandella, who just a lot of people weren't talking about. And he came in and, and he played well, so well, uh, that they, they give him a four-year contract extension. I think the fact that uh, Doug Armstrong went out and gave a couple of these guys, you talk about Sammy Blay, uh, Marco Scandella, uh, Mackenzie McEachern, extensions during the pause, I think gives him a little bit more comfort. So I'm sure Scandella's going to feel some pressure, but he knows he's got a home here. He already knows that uh, he can play well with these guys. So I do think that takes a bit off. Jer, what are some of the factors that you're going to be looking at as the Blues have their, their last couple of training sessions before they get ready to head to the Hub City? Well, I think uh, Petrangelo said it a couple of days ago. He said, dang, we look good. He said uh, mentally, physically, that first day, he felt like they, they picked up where they left off. I think they're going to have to get some scrimmaging in, uh, whether that's today or whether that's next week. Uh, we don't know yet. Uh, you, the number one thing you wanted to see coming in is just how, how fast could they pick it up and then also the chemistry. But I wrote about it uh, yesterday that uh, the chemistry with these lines, it's been there for a year, year and a half with some of these uh, lines. So you, you look at these teams and they move things around and the coach changes lines. We've seen that with Ken Hitchcock and, and previous coaches. Craig Berube has kept these guys together. So now when they come back, yeah, it's a little bit different. They haven't been skating together for for four years, but they know they're going to be with the same players. And so I think that's what gives the Blues a little bit of an ed- advantage coming back, just knowing that, uh, hey, I know he's on my left, he's on my right, there's the puck, let's go, let's play hockey. So I, I think that's kind of what we're looking at here. JR, we do want to get a hot take from you, but Michelle has a great Petro hot take. Yeah. What was my Petro take? I don't remember, Randy. This is the last time we see Petro in a Blues jersey. Oh, that's right, uh, from our text last night. Yeah, what do you think about that one, JR? Wow, you guys are really putting it on me here. Uh, <laughs> that's, uh, I don't think so. I still hold out a belief that uh, 
that they can figure out something to get them done. Look, I realize the money doesn't look good in terms of clearing cap and trying to, to bring them back. But Doug Armstrong, to me, if if you you know look him in the eye and say how much does Alex Petrangelo mean to this team, he's going to tell you a ton, an absolute ton. And, and so, you know, does not having Alex Petrangelo but being able to have three or four of these other players in terms of depth and the money uh, that you need to re-sign Alex Petrangelo, you know, I just I just can see him figuring out a way uh, to get it done, uh, bringing Alex Petrangelo back. All right, and your hot take, what is it for the, this Thursday? It doesn't have to be hockey. It can be on anything. Uh, let's see here. Uh, how about the Blues play the Boston Bruins for the Stanley Cup final? Mm. Again, is that... That's not really hot, that's, though, is that's it? That's strong. I like that. No, that's great, JR. That's yeah. great. And then uh, I'll let you guys pick the winner on that one. Oh, we, well, I think we know who uh, we're picking. <laughs> I'll just say this. Brad Marchand will be crying again. <laughs> that's all oh, we well, need to know. <laughs> that's great. JR, you're the best. Thanks for the time. We appreciate it. Hey, thanks, guys. See so, yeah, you. That's our Blues Insider from The Athletic, Jeremy Rutherford on 101 ESPN. And if... You have not yet subscribed to The Athletic. It's great, and you should. You absolutely should. Worth every cent. Next up, we've got today's big thing, and that includes more hot takes. We've got a hot take mic drop or two coming your way on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Opinions do matter. Time for today's big thing with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Powered by SSM Health is here in person or online to provide the safe, high quality and personalized care you've come to expect. Visit SSMHealth.com for more information. Nine oh two with Carriker and Smallman, Danny Mac coming up next hour here on one hundred and one ESPN, and it is time for today's big thing. In addition to more of your hot takes here on one hundred and one ESPN, Michelle. And by the way, I didn't mention that your time check nine oh three now brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Summer camp brought to you by Camping World continues. I don't, and we don't even have a Camping World around here. I don't think six five seven eight zero. Oh, if we do, I've never been to Camping World. I've seen them before in Ohio, and they're just massive lots full of campers. It's like a whole world of campers. Sounds exciting if you're into that sort of thing. Maybe someday. Are you a camper guy? Not, but if I had a luxury motorhome, it might change my mind. Yeah. I don't know if I would ever really be a motorhome type of gal. Seems claustrophobic. I know they're very beautiful on the inside. Yeah, and there are some that are pretty big. Yeah. Derek Gould has a piece up at sdltoday.com, and uh, Dexter Fowler was made available to the media yesterday. And Fowler said that uh, coming back, he was kind of leery of us not coming or not being in a bubble because being in a bubble would be a lot easier for the players. And obviously it was the MLBPA that didn't want the bubble idea. And fortunately for baseball, the bubbles were going to be in Florida and Arizona, which are the two, two hottest spots for COVID-19 right now. So... I believe things worked out for the best for baseball, not being in a bubble. Yes, but I also think if you're in the bubble, it's easier for you to control the factors coming in and out. Even though you are in a hot spot and the people who may be delivering food or working on the premises might be exposed to people who have COVID. It seems like that's kind of happening in a lot of places that these teams are going to be traveling to. So I think if I was a player, I would feel from a health and safety protocol standpoint, more comfortable in a bubble scenario. So with Fowler's feelings known, did he even think there would be a season this year? Yeah, I'm excited about it. I'm excited about it. 
excited. I think everybody wants to get back to playing baseball. You know, it's been, you know, you're sitting at home. Love being at home with the family, but, you know, I felt like it was. It, it's time to get back to work. I think everybody's ready to go. It got a little frustrating, you know, at times because obviously we wanted to play, but, you know, other things, that are a lot of other variables, and uh, I'm glad we got those settled. And one of the variables is going to be no fans. That's going to be weird for us, obviously. What will it be like for the players? Yeah, I mean, it's like that. I feel like it's going to be like uh, like some minor league baseball games. You know, some some teams don't don't not a lot of teams you know sell out every game, so it's it's kind of quiet at, at, at minor league games. You know, I, I feel like it's going to be like that, but at the same time, the competition's there, and I believe when we lock in, we'll be we'll be ready to go. What do you think? It'll take them maybe a week to adjust. Yeah, I think so, and. Most of these players have played, like he said, in minor league games. Yeah. What the Florida State League, they don't have fans. Arizona Fall League, there aren't many fans that show up. So I believe they'll adjust very quickly. And especially if they get some crowd noise in there. Or even just the noise of their teammates and Team Fred Bird for the Cardinals. Uh, making a little bit of noise, I think, will work to their benefit. I know that players feed off the energy of the crowd, and it's something that they've become accustomed to. But I also don't think they spend a ton of their time during the game anyway looking at the crowd or identifying the crowd. It's just kind of a background ancillary thing. I mean, if you talk to players, a lot of times they talk about blocking that out. That's what Mm -hmm. they have become accustomed to in regards to the crowd is blocking it out in a lot of ways. So I I think after a week or so, especially with teams having inter-squad games and getting used to the feel of an empty stadium that I think they'll adjust just just fine. Michelle, I've heard stories of first basemen at Bush Stadium looking into the crowd trying to find attractive women. During the game? Mm -hmm. Did it impact their play? It has in the past. Interesting. Yeah. A a hard hit ball right past them down into the corner because they weren't really paying attention. So what's the play there? If you you find someone in the crowd that you think is attractive, do you have the ball boy toss a ball with your phone number. I mean, that's that seems kind of antiquated. But it it has happened. I'm yeah. sure it's happened. But what's what's the modern day play there? I don't know if there is one that's beyond or better than that one. Because I would be nervous if I was a player to do that, that immediately that's going up on Instagram. Oh, right now that you're you're you know exactly I mean? right. If that's a ball a great boy point. tosses, I wouldn't do it. But if somebody tosses someone a ball and says, hey, X player X wanted you to have this and it has their phone number. I just imagine a lot of people out there would be putting that on social media pretty quickly. Social media has changed things. That's a great point. So then, yeah, what's the play? Do you have somebody ask what their Instagram handle is so you can slide in the DMs, Randy? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know how you do it these days. There was a prominent Cardinal one time who left his his number and some tickets on an attractive woman's uh, windshield and Clayton's are walking into a store or something. Wow. And what a power move. Yeah. And uh, so she said, I, I don't, she already had a boyfriend who happened to be a prominent businessman in town. Oh, yikes. And gave the tickets to her brother who took one of his friends. And apparently the player was none too happy about the fact that she didn't show up to the game, but the, t- the seats were filled. But if you're the player in that scenario, mm-hmm. you didn't even engage with her. You just left it on her windshield. I know, but that's she what you think. She doesn't owe you, you anything. That's, you, that's what you think you can do, though, when, when you're a big athlete. Like, there are, there are athletes, there are legendary stories about one athlete who would go to Vegas and just have his handler, his body guy, uh, he would point out three or four women to him in Vegas, and uh, the, the body guy would go, hey, you want to spend time with Mr. X? And the women would go upstairs. That, that was one of the things with Tiger with his scandal. Tiger wasn't approaching these women. He was just, he, he had his person go and say, hey, you want to spend time with Tiger? And 
it wound up working. And you think, you know, these women were working at Friendly's, that they would be approachable, Randy. Oh, and Perkins? Yeah. <laughs> right. You'd think so. Yeah. Hey, what can I get you? Well, I'd like uh, the number eight with the eggs over easy and you after you're done working. It'd be simple. Let's go meet in the church parking lot. Church parking lot? Tiger did that. It was convenient. It was across the street. What do you think? Never mind. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Never hot, mind. Hot takes on 101 ESPN. Let's hear from Chet. Dak Prescott should be paid more than uh, Patrick Mahomes. He's a better quarterback. He's got a better arm, better legs. Uh, if he was a Kansas City Chief, they would have won a Super Bowl the last three years in a row. That That's a totally hot take from Chet. Clearly a Cowboys fan. Chet might have the hottest take of the entire day. That's a pretty hot take, yeah, that, that Prescott's better than Mahomes. Wow. Wow. It's, but we appreciate the hot takes. We welcome all hot we takes, do. even misguided ones. <laughs> uh, Michael is next. Hot take, the 2020 Cardinals would be baseball's version of the 2003 Stanley Cup champion New Jersey Devils. They will score few runs, but will give up even less behind great defense and pitching. And, of course, Yadi Molina will be the Scott Stevens of the team. Ooh. Okay, good. Okay, yeah. So the Blues are going to, or the Cardinals are going to suppress the opponent's offense. And I agree with Michael 100%. I, I believe the Cardinals are going to win a lot of 2 1, 3 2 games, 1 0 games, 2 nothing games. And that's why they're going to be great. Yes, I agree with that. I think we're going to see a lot of close games. But I love Molina as the Stevens. Yeah, pretty tough guy. Mm-hmm. I wonder who he's going to give the concussion to, like Stevens did to Lindros. Oh, mm, I don't know. That's a good question. Find somebody. Yeah. Uh, by the way, multiple texts pointing out that there is a camping world off of 70 in uh, St. Peter's near Wentzville. And uh, we're glad to know that. So if you want to see a camping world, and by the way, they support Summer Camp 2020 in Major League Baseball, <laughs> uh, just drive down 70 there you and go. you'll see one. Pretty cool. Shout out Camping World. Here is a 618 hot take. My hot take is Jason Tatum will win a couple of championships in Boston, and he will go down in history as the greatest player to ever come out of the St. Louis area. Greatest NBA player? Yes. I could see it. Couldn't you? I totally could. He has to be better than Bradley Beal right now. He has to be better than JoJo White. I think a lot of people think that JoJo White Mm -hmm. is the best ever to come out of the area. But I could absolutely see that happening. I could, too. Bill Bradley, Crystal City, that's the St. Louis area. Maybe that's the one. Win a couple of championships. Maybe Bill Bradley would be the one. Or White, one of those two. So uh, that that's a great hot take. And uh, let's see. I've got time for one more here, Michelle, from the 636. My hot take is with a shortened season, a hot hitter will take a batting title with a batting average above 380. 380. In 60 games. Whew. I can see that. I think uh, we had the question about Matt Williams. Yeah. I think when the strike hit in 2000 or in 1994, I think Tony Gwynn was hitting 394. Let me see if I can find that for you quickly. Yeah. So 380 would be awesome and impressive. Uh, let's see. 1994 National League. And the leading hitter was... We moved on to, uh, I know it's down here somewhere. Maybe not. But I, I, I'm pretty sure he was hitting 394. 
which is pretty good. Yeah. You know what I could do is just do a search for Tony Gwynn. That'd be a smart thing, wouldn't it? There you go. You know, Randy, when we talk about NBA players mm-hmm. circling back from the NBA or from the St. Louis area, we need to give David Lee more love. We do. He had a great career. Great career. Played forever, too. Yeah. Who did he marry? Uh, Caroline Wozniacki. Yeah. So, really good career. I mean, their kids are going to be athletes. That's for sure. There's absolutely, you're absolutely right. Tony Gwynn was hitting 394 when the strike hit on August 12th of wow. 1994. And his on-base percentage was 454. And he had 165 hits in 110 games. So he would have had a heck of a season. Thanks for your hot takes. We do appreciate them. As we roll on here on 101 ESPN, it's time for You're Killing Me Smalls. Next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. What's totally killing Smalls right now? You're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me, Smalls, with Michelle Smallman on 101 ESPN. All right, Michelle works hard on this, and we always have fun with it, and here we go. You're killing me, Smalls. Okay, Randy, today I'm going to lead with something that's a story that's not a story, if that makes sense. So I see that Dan Snyder, Washington football team owner, Mm -hmm. is trending, and I click on it, and I'm scrolling through all of these tweets that are coming out, and I find a pro football talk story basically insinuating that the name change coming out of Washington is going to be old news because a, quote, bombshell report is expected to surface about the organization and their owner, Dan Snyder, and it's supposed to come out very soon, and they're saying this is going to be not just unflattering, but potentially, hey, you're in such big trouble that you have to sell the team type bombshell report. Wow. And well, we don't know what it is. There's some there's some things being presented on social media. We don't know what's fact, what's fiction, what's true until the report comes out. But I would imagine, since everyone's tweeting about it and details seem to be starting to leak out, that we might have some big news coming out of D.C. soon. And as hyenas as these crimes appear we'll say crimes, these actions uh, uh, alleged on social media appear to be, I would think that there is no way if this story comes out that he could keep the team. Is there is there any way that Roger Goodell and the other owners in the NFL, if the story comes out, doesn't matter what the facts are, if this these allegations are made, can you keep a guy kind of like Donald Sterling? Could you keep Donald Sterling in the NBA? No. Could you keep Dan Snyder in the NFL? Probably not. The difference in that scenario is that Adam Silver was unafraid to make a move. Right. Adam Silver said, hey, this is wrong. I am making an example out of this swiftly. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. Because even Mark Cuban kind of said, hey, this could be a slippery slope for you to just remove an owner from from this situation based on his actions. Um, He wasn't against it necessarily, but he did you know, voice some concern. And Adam Silver said, "Uh uh-uh, don't care. This is what's happening. Whereas I think Roger Goodell is so beholden to the owners that if other owners were to come out in support of Snyder, I guess it depends on the severity of the story and what evidence is in place. Right. Because if you have anonymous sources, people could always debunk that, even though they might be accurate. There's there's a PR machine that's coming out of Snyder's camp that is going to try to spin this or debunk this in any way. But if there's hardcore evidence that he's done something that is just so severe that you can't explain it away, nor should you explain it away, 
even with the power that the owners have over the commissioner's office, I would think if it was to that level, especially right now, that they would have no choice but to act. The one recourse that the league would have, even if there are no criminal charges pressed, is the personal conduct policy. Because either way, these allegations are going to probably reflect poorly on the league. And I would think Goodell would say, and you know this better than anybody, Michelle, Goodell would say this is bad for the shield. We have to Mm -hmm. protect the shield. That's their biggest thing, isn't it? It's their only thing, oftentimes, is what is best for the brand, what is best for the NFL, what what is best for the shield. And the NFL... And again, this is all reckless speculation because we have not seen the report yet, but people that are very plugged in there mm-hmm. are tweeting, this is going to be a massive story. Yeah. So we are we are having this conversation based around those stipulations that we're getting out of D.C. But if you're the NFL and throughout your history, especially if you're Roger Goodell, throughout Tim Post puts out a bombshell report about the Washington football team and Dan Snyder. This is a unique opportunity for you as the commissioner and for you as the NFL to say, hey, we bad behavior is not tolerated here anymore. Um, you know, this is 2020. We don't want we don't want to be on the wrong side of this stuff anymore. And as uh, again, uh, I, I want to be serious here, but we are dealing with sports and we're dealing with weird attitudes in sports. Okay. There would be, if Snyder did something bad, so many people that would be happy with Goodell, so many Redskins fans, Washington fans, that would be happy with Goodell if he could find a way to get Snyder out of the league and not be their owner anymore. That's what they want. Right. Whatever way it happens, he's going to endear himself to them if he can get it so Snyder isn't the owner of their favorite team anymore. For sure. And I I think it's going to be really interesting because this has really been built up on social media. And again, we're not uh, saying that anything has happened. We're just relaying what is happening. It's trending across the country. Dan Snyder. Dan Snyder is trending across the country. And, you know, what if what if this report comes out and it's something that's not that big of a deal? And the NFL says, hey, you know what? This is something that we can deal with internally. We'll find a different punishment. Maybe that's the case. But the way this is being built up leads me to believe that people in the know wouldn't be dropping these little nuggets as a tease if it wasn't something that was going to truly, truly be a bombshell. With you. You're killing me, Small! Okay, Randy, question for you. We as Americans seem pretty stressed, right? Yes, we are. Stressed more than ever, I would say. No doubt. During a pandemic. Right. Yeah. Um, it's a stressful time. It is a stressful time. You know what? It really is. If you had to pick a city in America that you think would be the most stressed city in 2020... What are you picking? New York. New York City. I would think that was a pretty good pick because yeah. it's a stressful place to live anyway. Right. And the pan- and the COVID outbreak hit New York City very hard. They were the epicenter for a while. They were the epicenter for a while. Well, Randy, according to a survey done at WalletHub, Cleveland sits at atop America's most stressed cities in 2020. They lost LeBron. They haven't won any other sports championships since 1964. And uh, I, I can totally see how they they would be stressed out there. Do they give any other good reasons besides their sports teams? They do. I don't. Um, that's not even in the conversation. But oh you my. just added to their stress. They Randy. lost LeBron. I mean, you did, but they, he brought you back a championship. That should ride you out for quite some time. Oh yeah, that's great. Yeah. You know, so I feel great about Albert Pujols right now. 
<laughs> okay, well, Cleveland ranked number one for most financial stress, number three for health and safety stress, number four in family stress. They were also found to have the highest rate of divorce、mm. and the second highest poverty rate in the country. Wow. See, that's interesting because all of those things I would not have been aware of. Just as a visitor to Cleveland, I like Cleveland a lot. I like downtown Cleveland. I think they've done a really good job with it. I love the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Jacobs Field, their football stadium, is right next door to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I think it's a cool town. But then you hear those things and you can understand why people would be stressed. And maybe that high divorce rate is because Halle Berry is from there. And doesn't she, hasn't she antied up a little bit to try to get that divorce rate up? Halle Berry's from Cleveland. Yeah. They've、wow. got an unbelievable celebrity culture there. Really? Yeah.、Uh, let, me, uh, let me just do a quick search for you. Okay. Notable people from Cleveland. Well, while you're doing that,、yeah. I'm going to tell you the top 10 most stressed cities in America、okay. because we here in St. Louis are on the list. Ooh. So, Cleveland, as I mentioned, number one, Detroit, number two. Birmingham, Alabama, number three. You have Gulf, Gulfport, Mississippi, checking in at number four. Newark, number five. Baltimore, number six. New Orleans, number seven. And then St. Louis, Missouri, Randy, checking in at number eight. We are the eighth most stressed city in America. And what are they saying about us? It just, just says we're just, number eight. Just we're stressed, huh? Yeah, based on all those factors that I mentioned. Same,、wow. same thing. Financial stress, health and, health, and safety, health and safety, divorce, poverty rate, all of these factors going in. And St. Louis, number eight. Wow. Guess we're not top five. <laughs> That's right.、We're, we aren't champions at anything anymore. I mean, if, I would think it's a positive that we're at least at the bottom half of the rankings. Yeah, I think so. Bottom half of the top 10. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, how about this list? Cleveland, from Cleveland, Paul Newman. Oh, wow. Would have never guessed that. Bob Hope. Bob Hope, okay. Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks is from Cleveland? Yep. Halle Berry. Okay, yes. Drew Carey. Yeah, we knew that. Cleveland rocks.、Uh, Chrissy Hind. Don't know her.、Mm-mm. LeBron. Yes, yes. Hal Holbrook, famous actor from back in the day.、Um, uh, Tony Morrison, John Lithgow. Wow, wow. Tim Conway, Henry Mancini.、Uh, let's see if they got any other. Terrence Howard. Wow. Cleveland guy.、Uh, Patricia Heaton from Everybody Loves Raymond. Yes.、Uh, Phil Donahue. <laughs> Devo. Mike Douglas from the Mike Douglas show. You started out really strong, Randy, and now. Well, well we're I, I, I'm going from one and yeah, yeah.、Uh, the, the group, the OJs.、Uh, <laughs> Love train OJs? Yeah. Respect. Arsenio? Arsenio Hall would not have guessed Cleveland. No, Al Roker? <laughs> Here's what's happening outside your、yeah. door. Marilyn Manson? Stop it. Yep. Marilyn Manson is from Cleveland. Born Brian Hugh Warner. Known for his controversial stage persona, frontman for the eponymous band whose name juxtaposes two cultural icons, Marilyn Monroe and Charles Manson. Marilyn、wow. Manson. Wow, wow.、Uh, Deborah Winger, actress.、Uh, pretty amazing. She was the, great in Forget Paris. Yeah, she was. And she was in、um, the, the Firm. She was really good in that.、Nice. She was in another one, too. So, anyway, Steve Harvey, Cleveland guy. What? So, we've got Drew Carey and Steve Harvey? Yeah, how about that? Fred Willard, the late, great Fred Willard. Outstanding. Yeah. So that's pretty. So let's get Anne Hache is from Cleveland. That's, and they got her listed at number 41. Wow. So yeah, they've got a pretty good history of,、uh, of famous people there. So 
Way yeah. more than I expected, I'll be yeah, honest. Yeah, me too. With you. I'm, I'm just scrolling to see. Tom Hanks, that one really threw me for a loop. Yeah, and he's number three. So, yeah, Who is number one? Paul, Paul Newman. Newman. Paul Newman and Bob Hope, one and two. Ed, o- Ed O'Neill. Ta- oh, love Ed O'Neill. Take it or leave it, though. No disrespect to Bob Hope and Paul Newman, but Tom Hanks should be number one. Uh, yeah, and love Tom, uh, Bob Hope and Paul Newman, but right now, hasn't LeBron passed them? When I think Cleveland, if you were to say, hey, name one famous per- person from Cleveland, I would say LeBron. Or Drew Carey, just because of Cleveland Rocks, because of the show. Uh, do you have any interest in the Black Keys? Yes, I saw them live. They were very good live. Cleveland. What? Yep. So, it's pretty amazing. So now you know, via radio. Uh, thank you, Michelle. You got it, Randy. That was uh, You're Killing Me Smalls on 101 ESPN. Next up, we're going to talk to Ben Golliver of... Ironically, the Washington Post. He covers the NBA, and he's down in the in the bubble, but maybe he'll know what's going on at his paper with Dan Snyder. It's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Michelle Smallman, I'm Randy Carricker, and we head now to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Ben Golliver covers uh, the NBA for the Washington Post and joins us now from the bubble in Orlando. Ben, thanks so much for taking some time with us here on 101 ESPN. How are you doing this morning? Doing very well. It's great to hear your voice because I'm stuck in an in-room hotel quarantine. I can't leave my room. I got here on Sunday, and so it's always nice to know that there are you know other living people out there to chat with. Oh, yeah, we are definitely out here. So tell us what it's like on the inside. Well, it's, uh, it's interesting. We got here uh, on Sunday. Like I mentioned, we checked in. We got our magic band. I'm sure people who've been to Disney World are familiar with that. Ours has a little NBA logo on it with Mickey Mouse ears. Everything was going well. Then they give you the um, the green quarantine wristband, and that basically says if you try to wander around the campus, security will stop you, send you back to your room. And so I've basically been inside a typical Disney hotel room. I've got two beds, a flat-screen TV, uh, you know, hot water, thankfully. <laughs> uh, and every single afternoon I get tested for the coronavirus. So far I'm uh, four for four negative. If I can get three more negative tests, they will kind of release me into the wider bubble where the players are, you know, where the coaches are. And they've already started practices here. There will be scrimmage games uh, for the NBA next week, followed by the real games starting on July 30th. So it's a a very exciting time. Uh, It does feel like it's building up. But there's also obviously anxiety because of the coronavirus, and it's, it's really been hitting hard here in Florida. So I think it's on everybody's mind. So five days in quarantine, can you kind of sympathize with Rashawn Holmes leaving the bubble? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, well, you know, the, the meals have been a little bit hit or miss. I don't want to be a complainer, certainly. Uh, you know, one of the players, John Morant, said he's not a silver spoon guy. That's kind of how I feel, too. I don't, I don't need a lot of luxury in my life. But, uh, you know, the, the meals sometimes are better than others. And I'm, it sounded like he just wanted to, you know, his favorite food by Postmates and wound up getting busted. But they have to take this thing seriously. All it takes is one sick Postmates driver or, uh, you know, one person who happens maybe to be servicing a hotel room who's sick. Uh, that if, if the virus gets inside the bubble, it could spread very quickly because these players are going to be playing indoors. They're going to be playing full contact. They're going to be in tight huddles, um, you know, with their teams. And so if one person gets it, it can spread, you know, uh, throughout a team and throughout the tournament. So there's so much at stake here, whether it's the, the television revenue, whether it's the reputation of the league, whether it's the ability to crown a champion, 
that I think the NBA has to be very, very strict with its enforcement. And as somebody who's actually in the bubble, I appreciate it. I want them to be strict. I don't want people flouting the rules and kind of going out there and, and uh, you know, taking unnecessary risks because that puts my health in danger as well. You're right, Ben. If you're inside the bubble, you certainly do want to hold others accountable because you don't want to put anyone at risk. And that's why the NBA said, hey, we're going to put an anonymous safety tip line out there. So if you see anyone breaking the rules, you can go ahead and anonymously let people know. You have players like Rudy Gobert saying, hey, I understand why this would be in place, but I think it's petty. Uh, How do you think players are going to use the hotline? Do you think they're going to use it appropriately or do you think that they'll abuse it in some way? Well, that's a great question. I don't know. It's hard to get into the mind of the players. I think for me personally, I am not usually one to kind of call the RA in college, you know, and, you know, I'm not really one to kind of, you know, have a noise complaint with my neighbors. I live in Los Angeles. I've never really done that. Never called the cops on them. So I think it would be a very extreme situation that would require that. I think it's also important to remember that this is a really big campus and I'm sure they've got, uh, you know, video surveillance and other security measures at place. Um, at the same time, it's such a big campus that it really doesn't feel overbearing. It doesn't feel like you're on, you know, other people are on top of you or, uh, you know, everybody's crowding into an elevator or anything like that. It, it does seem kind of peaceful and idyllic. And remember, Disney World is used to having tons of thousands, hundreds of thousands of visitors here. And in our particular area, it's really just the NBA. So there's only about a thousand people. So, uh, you know, trying to keep track of everyone is, is certainly a challenge. Uh, But at the same time, people can kind of spread out. They can go fishing. They can go biking. They can kind of do some of the fun activities that have been set up. And I think hopefully uh, everyone is going to want to comply with the rules. I'll also say this. I mean, the the situation in Florida with the coronavirus is so bad. It's a good motivation to stay on campus, right? I mean, it it does feel safer here. Maybe it's a false sense of security just because we're physically removed from the outside world. Uh, But when I was flying, for example, coming through the Orlando airport, I was much more stressed out about my potential exposure there than I am right now, you know, sitting on Disney's campus. Ben Golliver of the Washington Post with us on 101 ESPN. And Ben, in regards to players, only two out of 322 tested positive. I would have to believe that the league feels pretty good about heading into playing games and being able to get through this thing. For sure. Well, here's the thing. They had more than 40 people test positive during their tests in June and July before they came to Orlando. And to me, that's a really high number. It's kind of a scary number. More than 10% of the players who are going to be competing down here tested positive. But the important thing was they isolated all those players before they got to Orlando. So once everyone's in Orlando and they're going through the tests, that's the two number that you're describing. And that's an excellent number because that means uh, the travel uh, to, to get down here by charter plane was relatively safe and it worked. And it also means that uh, their their testing program has worked because they were able to catch both of those people before they went to practices with teammates or before they were in team meetings or before they were playing games. And so that way, you know, again, you're being proactive and trying to stop this virus. So um, two people tested positive down here, but so far the bubble hasn't been breached because no one was positive and interacting with teammates. And that's the really, really important thing. So uh, we hope it stays that way. Uh, The the more time that passes without that breach, uh, the more confident I am that they're going to get these games started. And I think the the more peace of mind the players have, too. I think you can start to see players settling in a little bit. There was a lot of nerves uh, prior to coming down to Orlando. They were concerned about the health. They were concerned about social justice protests. They were concerned about quality of life. And it feels to me a little bit like a a study abroad semester uh, or maybe summer camp where, you know, you're all worried about it before you go. And then once you get there, you know, it's like, well, 
you got to make the best of the situation, right? You can either sulk in the corner, or you can kind of go about your business. And I see a lot of these NBA guys going about their business and, and trying to get a new routine. But I want to talk a little bit about what we're going to see on the court. We know that uh, Rajon Rondo's out six to eight weeks with that thumb injury. What does that injury mean for the Lakers' title chances? Well, it's tricky because they already were out with uh, uh, were without Avery Bradley, who decided not to show up because he had a family member who was a higher risk of uh, coronavirus, so he didn't want to expose his family. And so that means you're down two rotation pieces. And I think there's been such a long layoff here. It's been four months that things like team chemistry and also depth, you know, having a lot of quality players available to you are going to be huge advantages. I actually think the basketball on the court could be pretty ugly as teams try to work their way back into shape and, and try to get their, their um, you know, chemistry and their cohesion back. So, you know, everybody counts. Everybody matters. And so to be down two, that's a real blow for the Lakers. It makes LeBron James's life harder. Um, when I'm looking at these champion, uh, you know, contenders, I would start actually with the Clippers because they are very deep. They made a bunch of moves during the season to add pieces uh, to their rotation. And they have a lot of guys who just want to play basketball and go home. They, they don't really, you're not interested in the limelight. They just are a very uh, straightforward, uh, simple-minded team in, in terms of being competitors. So from that standpoint, I, I think my championship pick would be the Clippers. Uh, but we really have no idea. It's been so long since we've seen basketball. It's almost like a brand new season. So uh, that that adds to the excitement factor, and I know a lot of basketball fans out there are starting to get revved up. Uh, ben, aside from like throwing soup at assistant coaches and various and sundry other uh, incidents, J.R. Smith is like Mister Chemistry. They the, the Lakers added him, so doesn't that take care of the problem? <laughs> well, yeah, and they have Dion Waiters too, so right. they're, they're, they're digging deep. The Lakers have tried to make their moves to fill out that backcourt. You know, J.R. Smith, you know, he's somebody that LeBron trusts, uh, even though they had that uh, meltdown in the finals a couple of years ago. I mean, he's clearly, um, you know, one of LeBron's, uh, you know, confidants, uh, if you want to call it that. Uh, but it's tricky because, you know, some of these other teams, they had five, six months together during the regular season, so maybe they come back out here to Orlando and they hit the ground running. The hard part is when you're trying to work in these new pieces. Um, you know, another team I actually feel really bad for is the Brooklyn Nets. I think they yeah. had six or seven guys who didn't come down here. What is that going to look like when they get onto the court? And if you're the Milwaukee Bucks and you're the one seed and, and you're playing the Brooklyn Nets, you might have to ask them, like, who are you guys? What's your name? You know, this is like a an interim team uh, trying to go out there and play. So these are going to be challenges that everybody has to deal with. And it's funny, the number one thing that we have to do as reporters next week is to just take a head count because we don't totally know which players are down here yet, which players aren't, uh, in part because that's uh, the league and the teams trying to protect their players' medical privacy. So if somebody tested positive and they were delayed coming down here, they're trying to obscure that information from us. So it's a little bit of a cat and mouse game, but I think that um, you know ultimately we're going to have greater clarity next week. Finally, Ben Golliver, a couple of days ago you put on the market, I would think, some valuable quarantine commodities in soda and coffee drinks asking for water orange juice or future second round picks in return did you get any takers well well it was funny immediately the market got flooded with other reporters trying to undercut my prices it was terrible everybody wants to get rid of the sugary starbucks drinks and so i haven't been able to successfully uh, get a trade going yet although i did figure out guys there's a life hack don't tell my fellow reporters. If you just call the front desk, they'll bring you whatever drink you want. So they brought me like two extra cases of water. So I'm living really large here in the quarantine. Wow. Love it. Hey, we appreciate you taking some time with us. Thanks so much. We, uh, we loved having you on. 
All right. Thanks for having me, guys. Take care. You too. That's Ben Golliver of the Washington Post with us on 101 ESPN. I mean, two extra cases of water. What a flex. That's a big time move, isn't it? And all he had to do was call. Who That's knew? That's right. So he, the, the tweet was on J- July 12th, accepting all trade offers for soda and coffee drinks after 6.95 more days of NBA bubble quarantine, seeking water, OJ, or future second round picks. Love that. <laughs> Terrific. Coming up, Dan McLaughlin is here and uh, Scoops with Danny Mac is on the way. We're going to cross things over towards Scoops with Danny Mac next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. I will be curious as we go along, and I, I am getting more and more positive. As I've said from day one, until they tell me this thing is shut down months ago when we were talking, till they say this thing is canceled, we knew it was postponed, till they said canceled, I was going to keep a positive, open mind that they're going to figure this thing out. Mm-hmm. And now more than ever, I do believe we're having a season. And I think we're going to... One way or another. I think things are for baseball, obviously not overall, but I I think for sports, sports is slowly but surely figuring things out. I think that there's a better chance of this season ending than not ending. That's uh, I would say there's a better than 50% chance of us having a World Series. They've put so much time and effort and energy to make this go, and money yep. to make it happen. Um, and even though the things that are happening outside of sports are, are not great, but inside sports, the bubble system seems to be working. And as I mentioned earlier, the numbers are very, very low on guys testing, and then we're seeing the guys that when all these sports started coming back, well, baseball in particular, those that tested positive are now even have been quarantined and have the negative test, and they come back and they talk about their experiences, but they come back in uniform and are playing. And some are saying, you know, I didn't even know I had it, and now I, I, I feel fine. And others said, yeah, I, I felt uh, a sense of uh, lost my you know taste or some guys said yeah I, I felt like you know i had a headache or a flu or a little bit of a fever but now i feel okay and i'm i'm feeling you know it's just crazy the different ways that people react to this but they do get back in uniform and play so um again to your point i do think that we're come hell or high water kind of thing we're, we're going to have a season just because they put so much into this and now we've gone down this road of this camp and go ahead and give your plug. Oh, brought to you by Camping World. There's right. uh, down 70 near Wentzville. Right. Um, that we're going to get this thing done. Now the big hurdle, at least in my mind, is what the the first week or two is going to be like with yeah. the teams that travel. Mm-hmm. You know, what happens once you travel? Then what, what do the numbers look like with testing once that happens? What do we got coming up with scoops? Well, speaking of a sport that is, I think, Figured it out relatively well. It's golf and um, Tiger Woods coming back today. I'm I'm fired up about watching Memorial. I, I, I so Tiger's back. Uh, Jay Delsing going to talk it over with him. Love talking golf with Jay. And uh, have you guys watched uh, Deschambeau hit the golf ball? Yes, it's ridiculous. It's unbelievable. I was telling Michelle about his uh, 428 yard drive a couple of weeks ago. Insane. He teed off this morning, and it was like 368 off the off number one. It's just unbelievable. Game changer. Well, so he, he was saying, uh, I guess it was two days ago, he said, somebody said, well, you know, what do you do if you're a little errant? And most guys say, well, you know, well, I've heard guys say this, and I don't know if everybody has said it, but some guys say, well, I slow it down. I think about it. He's like, no, I just start swinging harder. <laughs> you know? I was like, what? You know, so anyway, get into what he's doing. It's, it's just incredible. 
And I just awesome. think the return of Tiger coming back, that's just, if you're a sports fan and a golf fan, how how great is that? Changes the game. No it doubt. does. We'll be listening. Thank you, sir. All right, guys. Thanks. Scoops with Danny Mac coming up. Thanks to our producer engineer, Tanner Hendrickson, doing great work as always. Michelle, this was fun. This was fun, Randy. See you later tonight at the ballpark. We're going to be at the ballpark, and uh, every Thursday is Hot Take Thursday. Now, from now on, till eternity. Eternity, huh? (laughs) Or as long as we're here, one or the other. Okay. Uh, On 101 ESPN. For all of us, thanks for tuning in, texting in, being a part of the show. Till tomorrow at 7. Have a great day, St. Louis. That was the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.